Okay, hi guys. Uh, this is David. This is David from Blank Check. Here's Griffin from Blank Check. Uh, please, I prefer to list my credit as Blue Bloods. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Listen, we've had some technical difficulties in past episodes. People That's didn't true. like it. Sure. And they didn't like that they didn't have the warning. Okay. So we're putting in a warning here. Yeah. We didn't have technical issues. No. We had scheduling issues. Well, we had we had our guests for one hour. Yes. Now we did in- not know that. We, there had been a slight miscommunication, but that's no one's fault, and it's fine. There's no fault. I don't fault, want to lay any blame on but anyone. we thought we were going to get We a thought f- we had a t- two-hour window with our guests. We had a one-hour window with our guests. We asked for a five-hour window. <laughs> that's they the gave f- us a two, and then they now, showed up I with I don't know one. if you guys know this, but in the world of uh, publicity and, uh, you know, all this stuff, one hour is plenty of time, lots of time, but in the world Unless of blank check, with these two basically, dummies. it's just taxiing on the runway. So we have a great guest on today's episode. It's a great episode. I think it's maybe our best episode. One of our better episodes. But our guest does have to peace out about an hour in. So, you know. Right. So now, of course, this. We'll have her back. We're giving you spoilers. Yeah, it's a spoiler. Right. This is a uh, the opposite of a spoiler warning. Right. This is a trigger warning. No, we're warning you that we've like just spoiled the episode. Okay. Right. That's what it's a it's a retroactive spoiler warning. Yeah. We just spoiled this for you. Okay. So now listen to our best ever episode yes. of Blank Check. Yes. Blank Check with Griffin and David. Blank Check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. It's so beautiful. It's hard to believe these podcasts could kill me. Yeah, that's pretty Spores, good. Spores, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the first of the many dumb things I do that you, you will see. Uh, I, I cram the word podcast and uh, butcher something from the movie. Yeah. Some piece of dialogue from the movie. Some piece of dialogue from the movie or a tagline. Um, I'm trying to think, what are the other annoying things I do? My general behavior. Right. Sure. You talk about yourself. David was trying to prep our guest right before we started recording, and his directions were it's loose. It's fine. It's we a conversation. Griffin's annoying. Those are the three. <laughs> was that, was that no, I think that's fa- I think that's fair. And I, I, and I grew up in England. I, I brought that up immediately. Wait, what? This is no. I, I'm pretty sure this is. Like he pretends he doesn't know that. I don't think it is. You sure? He's citing this as one of like the three basic entry points right. to the podcast, and I have never heard this You're before. Opening, I have a bad memory, so it's like I can't. I don't have an excuse. That's I crazy. Know. I would have remembered. All right, introduce our podcast, please. Podcast is called Blank Check with Griffin and David. This is the fastest we've gotten the intro out <laughs> Just in wanna... maybe three years. <laughs> yeah, right. Usually it it takes we're like the departed like there's 40 minutes before the opening credits right 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 do I even need these headphones you know it's, no. it's I feel like I'm, choice. I feel yeah. like I'm 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 they're like not on my ears I'm wearing them for aesthetic reasons you could only. do the the Barbara Streisand uh, you mm. know she's always like this or you could do the one who I feel like Phil Collins does this oh, where yeah, he holds the, or one like Bono and right. um the uh do you you know this the makes Christmas feel very important like I'm. Uh, Right. See, like, that's why I wear them. Oh, I because it makes me feel important, and also hearing that it's like recording oh, uh, relieves my anxiety about the show not getting being, lost or right, whatever. Right. right. Yeah. A thing that has <laughs> never happened with this podcast. <laughs> um. Yep. Yeah. Um. But but uh, thanks uh, for talking on mic before we introduce you. That is an essential element of our show. We have we have to have the guest. You didn't know, but you passed the test. Passed the test. Oh. Yeah, that's exactly what we want. That's exactly what we want. Um, okay, wait, I was halfway through the introduction, mm. and I stopped myself to compliment myself on how quickly I was doing the introduction, <laughs> right, right, and right. thus derail the introduction. Right. Call Blank Check. 
It's a podcast about filmographies, directors who had massive success early on in their career, given a series of blank checks, like whatever crazy passion projects they want. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes they bounce, baby. So many series on the films of Hayao Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. It's called Howl's Moving Podcastle. That's right. And today we're talking about Nausicaa Valley of the Wind, yep. which is the second film and arguably is like kind of the guarantor it's, it's, for his career. Right. It's, it's the one that writes the check for his right. career. Right. This, is, this is the a... premise we talk about, that there's usually the, the film that then gives them, they hand them the checkbook. You know what I mean? There's like directors, especially, I mean, it's not as true as it used to be, but like directors no. who make some movie where Hollywood's like, okay. Clearly, I guess you know what you're doing. So, what's the craziest thing you've ever wanted to do? Wow, what is that like? I'd love to know. What hey, that's you, like. you might be there soon. <laughs> exactly. I, well, it's a rare and uh, often male phenomenon, as yeah, we yes. discovered. In yes, that. I want to. I want to ask uh, a bunch of follow questions. So, uh, proper introduction. Mm-hmm. Our guest today, incredibly illogically, is mm-hmm. the director of the farewell, Lulu Wong. I want to ask you. Yes. Do you feel any sort of shift now? Because you you have this movie that is uh, the only successful independent film of 2019. And not only that, one of the only movies to not underperform at the box office relative to expectations. And is so well reviewed. Do you feel like any sort of shift in terms of like increased uh, opportunities that you have? Or are you so much in the like, press hamster wheel that you don't even know yet no no there's definitely been a shift yeah uh, I'm, I'm getting submitted a lot of different projects mm. i've set up um set another up feature project. right which is um, very exciting. amazing which is very exciting yeah, yeah. and i also I, I got to set that up only because of the success of the farewell but, sure but i did set it up with the same production company right. big beach big beach um and it's a much bigger movie that requires probably some some amount of effects mm-hmm. um right. Uh, which which means higher budget, but I also was able to negotiate final cut. Hey, which is a really big deal. Rules. No, people don't get that. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's a really big deal. Yeah. you know, both like both uh, in a in a practical way, but also in a symbolic yeah way. Yeah, I I don't know. Obviously, you know, people don't talk about this stuff enough. I feel like in the industry, so I don't know how uncommon it's gotten for you to get final cut, but it does. It feels very you know, uncommon. Yeah. I also, like, uh, uh, sometimes people will question, like, to us, like, is this, oh, my, I'm so unprofessional. Um, <sighs> sometimes people will question, like, does this count as a blank check film or not? See, the same person texted both of us. Yeah, right. Um, does this count as a blank check film or not? Or they'll present a movie that costs $150 million and be like, wow, it looks like this person got a blank check. But to me, what you've just described sounds like a blank check. I mean, you were making a film at a size that you could not have made. If not for it's the not a success. blank check, it's just a bigger check. But but you also have the final cut. I do, yeah. That is cool. Like for right. me, the blank check is less about the number that you put on it and more about the freedom you have within whatever that number is, if that makes sense. It's true, it's true. But I think also the reason I got it is because I proved myself to be a collaborative filmmaker. Mm. Right. And right. so in many ways They're it, not afraid it, of you like going wild and being like this is it and you can't right. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't want to hear any opinions from any anybody which there are quite a lot of filmmakers who sure. want that or would do yeah. that and haha maybe I've tricked them and now I can <laughs> expose my real way. Right, Little can, do they know. Right. Make metal uh, <laughs> machine music. Right. But you know it's always like that conversation where the financier will say but we've never had anyone actually use Final Cut because we're really collaborative sure, and I go right. well if nobody ever has to use it then why don't you give it to mm, me to not problem? use. Right, right. Why do you have to have it to not use? Who's going to have it to not use? Yeah. And I'd rather have it so. 
But that that speaks to this other thing that I feel like we don't talk about very much on the podcast what? because it's hard to find sources about this. Mm. But so often also getting those like in, increased checks, you know, those bigger canvases and everything is based on like proving to other people that you can do the job on a day-to-day basis, not just how the thing turns out and is received. Right. Like, right. you know, if you're at the the cross-section of the Venn diagram where it's like the thing's very well received and it's like making a profit – but also the people who worked with you are like, this is a responsible person. Right. But I feel like that's a, a fairly new revelation mm. to, to actually consider that. Because right. I, I yes. feel like if you really look uh, at uh, track records in history, there are people who make you know, successful films and mm-hmm. well-received films but are not pleasant to work with. Nope. But they continue to work. I, I just want to clarify quickly. Are you saying that sometimes bad behavior has been <laughs> rewarded in the entertainment industry? <laughs> Is this the sci-fi <laughs> premise of your upcoming film? <laughs> yes, completely fictional. A dystopian fictionalized. society? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's true. It, it is true. I think that's one of the reasons we don't talk about it much on this podcast. Well, and also the way Hollywood is just like, but you can't argue with the results. You can't argue with money it's being yeah. made or what, right? I mean, that just becomes the bottom line on but everything. I, but I think, like, you know, uh, a, a bad behavior or at least, like, dramatic behavior gets reported a lot more because it's more exciting and salacious. Sure. Right. Than something where like right yeah there's not going to be some like insider Hollywood reporter story that's like X person is really pleasant and you know well, everything but, runs on time like, over there. An right? example of a career we've talked about before is like I get the sense from all the things I've read and heard that like that's what happened with Christopher Nolan with Insomnia. Sure, you where, mean like, like everyone was like oh he like they're like this guy's he, a professional. He handled and, his shit. God, he's like good. good at handling all the personalities. He right. like calmed down Pacino. He made a movie. He with delivered Pacino the movie. And, right. It did well, and they're like. We trust that he can do Batman, not because Insomnia is like Batman, right? but because I think within Warner Brothers, they were like, this seems like a pretty solid bet sure. to not cause us headaches. More often, though, it is, it is the opposite. Uh, uh, it's, it's very nice that you are bucking that trend. Thank uh, you. I like, I like when good people have good things happen to them after doing I still have things. a long career to go, yeah. I hope, to, to, prove, uh, to prove otherwise. So I'm don't, don't speak too early. Bucking. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Bucking. You, mean, you can do 10 years as Cur- an egomaniac. Cur- Cur- exactly, right. right. As long as I was good in the beginning, I, I, can, yeah. I, can, I, I can earn. And then you right get to have here. a redemption arc, too. I mean, if you really <laughs> become an asshole, and then they're like, here she is. She's, like, learned her lessons. Yeah. Right. That's like an old Dennis Leary joke, right? It's like, you can do whatever you want in Hollywood, and then be like, I went to rehab. You know, like, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. Does that I work, admit does that work for bad. women? Does that work for women, you think? You think uh, I could be like, no, you know, I, think I went you're to. you're troubled forever. Yeah. Right? I, think, right? I think it has a dark history. Never worked. Um, right? I don't know. I think of someone like Kirsten Dunst. Like she had this sort of like rapid rise to yeah. fame crash. She she like dealt with her problems publicly. She's sort of back now, but she is, you know, someone who does more like character roles. And yeah, I, I, I also think like I, I don't know why that immediately just she never away. got tagged with shit as much as like someone like Britney Spears did. You know, and Britney Spears is a very different person because she's also coming out of like this. Like, well, also Britney machinery. Spears experienced our collective pop culture. Like we right. made her live right. I mean, I was listening to her in the car and the other day, and I was thinking, like, this is like, unfor- like maybe unfortunately and unfortunately, like the most important like singer of my teen years. Yeah. Why are we talking about Britney Spears? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I she went a, through a lot. I just was sort of, yeah. I was like, I feel emotionally connected to this person I've never met. I will never really share any experiences with. I mean, in many ways, she is like uh, our heroine, Nausicaa. Yes. yes. Yes, she was, the, got, she was the I was kind of joking, but princess yes. Princess who was promised. <laughs> yeah. 
It was like, here she is, like Britney right. Spears. You're going to be like, she's the next Madonna. She, whatever, you know, like she's yeah. the next like uh, number one, you know, pop diva. She's going to save of all the of generation. Us. She's going right, to help right. all of us. Yeah. Um, and then everyone just And then when someone crashes and burns, right. <laughs> yeah. But also, I feel like when someone crashes and burns, often it's sort of like, well, that's what happens, isn't it? That's the classic Hollywood story. You know, you're up, then you're down. And also, no accountability of the pressure and the obstacles that sure. everyone else placed around them. Um, yeah. Yes, I mean, Nausicaa literally uh, crashes and burns. Yeah. She does. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But Nausicaa, I will, to Nausicaa's advantage, she, her disadvantages include like she lives in an apocalyptic mm-hmm. fungus world. Tough. Right. <laughs> very toxic. <laughs> very, very, like, literally toxic. Toxic. Yeah, toxic. <laughs> a genuinely toxic world. I, I'm canceling her world. Isn't that the name of a Britney Spears song? Yes. yes. Okay. Her best Britney her Spears best song. song. Yes. Right. The objective best. Not my favorite, but like. It's the objective best. The sort of like platonic successful. ideal. And, and right, my right. favorite. Whenever that song came out, uh, like my 15th birthday or whatever. My birthday party, I burned a, a mix CD that was uh, toxic twenty times. <laughs> Great. Uh, now I'm now I'm envisioning uh, a Nausicaa remix with Britney Spears "Toxic" playing mm. in the background. It was, as it's a, a toxic world. As the, as the spores come out, I would argue that toxic goes with everything. Spore you could place film. toxic under anything, and it would improve the film. Yeah, it was. Just, it, that's such a crazy thing to think about. That I was like, You're "Well, like I, this is it." I don't have an iPod, right? I just want to be able to hear this. song This is the over only and over. song I right. like listening to, so I'm just gonna twenty times copy it into whatever my my CD burning app was. You are someone who fixates on things. I fixate on things. Right. Yeah, but I I had that album and I put it on. R- Did repeal. you have any pop music in the fair? There's no. There's songs in the farewell, but there's no like. There's a Harry Nielsen right in the, right, the yeah. cover and the end credits. Mm-hmm. Was that like hard to wrangle? Like, is that that always seems like so stressful? All the rights uh, thing. Oh my gosh, yes. Well, I wanted that song for a really. So first of all, and that specific cover. Well, so it, here's the genesis. It, yeah. it, I wanted the an Italian version mm-hmm. of. Uh, Without you, okay. Which oh, turned right. out, Jesus, right? Of which course. it turns out, it's one of the most um, covered songs. Uh-huh. Um, but it's all Harry Nielsen. It's like Harry Nielsen singing it in Italian. Harry yeah. Nielsen singing Weird. it in Spanish, and he doesn't speak those languages. Right. He was just phonetically singing a right, right, right. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and so it turned out to be very hard to get the rights to it because we we got the temporary like festival rights so that we could use it for Sundance, yeah. mm-hmm. but. Um, because uh, they they couldn't track down the the people who own the rights. The tra- like it's really the translator that owns the rights. It's not even like the yeah. label. Yeah, and it's like studio. some it's guy like, who is just like uh, like looking over at the American lyrics yeah. and translating. Exactly. It. Right. Like who knows who who they got right. back then? Right. And they like tried to track this person down, couldn't track them down. So it would have been a risk to do it mm-hmm. because we could always who down knows the line. who someone, knows where right. like yeah. they might end up and come back and sue us. And so we had to then do our own cover. And okay, but it's a very nice cover. It's a beautiful I mean, cover. It's a, right, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, um, yeah. We 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 had this uh, wonderful guy, Fredo. He did the cover for it, and um, we and I I had this idea, and I said, well, if we're gonna do a cover of it, then let's just uh, invite a bunch of my friends mm-hmm. and drink a lot of tequila and do it with like a like karaoke style a little bit, so that it because that that's what it was the at the one end, of the reason why i wanted to all the group voices right. come in it's yeah. like it's awesome that's why i wanted to do it <laughs> yeah. i was like this is such like an asian song because mm-hmm. it's something that i feel like gets uh sang a lot in, in is, karaoke. It, is it really popular there i f- it is such it's an like iconic this, like, karaoke yeah. exactly. song yeah. Right. Whitney houston this it's like there's mm-hmm. something right. michael jackson there's something very like Kelly international Clarkson did it in yeah. season 1 of american idol it was one of her showstoppers ah. yes. just one of 
But karaoke is karaoke like common at a wedding in China? Like it's, that that people do karaoke? I don't know. I have actually not been to that many Chinese weddings. Right. <laughs> Surprisingly, only well, you uh, just made a movie yeah. about a Chinese because wedding. Right? It's also like you kind of went to the best one. <laughs> I went right. to, you did go a pretty great. Yeah. One. Yeah. Well, I've only been to you know my family's, and mm-hmm. there's not that many. Yeah, that's really the only one I've ever yeah. been to. So, but that I don't one know. did have karaoke. It did. It had like a you know like a home system, like karaoke system, mm-hmm. right. um, and so not not super professional. Did you do "Killing Them Softly"? Did you, I, did you do a song in real life at that wedding? I did. Uh, it was me and my dad. It was. It was. Yeah. I'm trying. No, you know what? We didn't do "Killing Me Softly," but that's my dad's favorite song. Okay. We tried to find it, and we could not sure. find right. it on the machine. Mm-hmm. So we sang without the karaoke machine. This song that's actually from now I know from um, Raise a Red Lantern. Oh sure. Oh I, oh no. Um, yeah, I, I think it's yes. I think it no. It's uh, it's the other John Mo film. Um, Sorghum. Oh yeah, Red Sorghum. Okay. Red right. Sorghum. Yeah, I've never right, seen right, that right. one. Um, I'm, I'm only remembering the Chinese name right now. Yeah, Red, uh, Red Sorghum, and it's the song that she's singing as she's walking away, and it's like. There's subtitles. A young like Gong Li. Huh? A young Gong Li. Yes, young Gong Li is walking right. away, and it's like, uh, little sister, keep going, don't turn around, mm-hmm. um, something like that. But like my dad used to sing it to me as a, as a little kid when I was young. He would just sing, and I had no film reference for it. I was just yeah. like the, the the song that my dad would sing, and it's very. Uh, you know, it's very. You can put your whole body into it. Yeah, right. So my dad used to just like emotional. Belt it, mm-hmm. and uh, and so to make my grandma laugh, my dad and I sang that song with no backing track. With no backing track, and that's it was kind of really, amazing. You just really did acapella of, karaoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really embarrassing. Um, but that song, I think, I feel like we would have actually had a harder time to get the rights to. Right. In some ways. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. It sounds like weirdly the things that are more obscure are harder to clear because. No one put the time in yeah. to do the paperwork. Like who would ever want to right. use this for anything? Right. Else? Yeah. There's so much uh, shit like that. But it's great. Culture goes on and on and things get desurfaced. And, but right, oh, yeah. our, our friend, uh, uh, J.D. Amato. Sure. Uh, uh, when he was in college, worked at uh, Troma Film. Sure. He was like an intern there, which made him number four <laughs> in the ranks of Troma Film. Right. Um, and he pitched them on this idea of, like, we should try to do Toxic Crusaders, which was the weird Saturday morning version of Toxic Avenger, uh, a movie that is super transgressive and the sure. least child-friendly thing in the world. They briefly tried to make into a Ninja Turtle-style cartoon that was all about saving the environment, right, right, right. which is not what the movie's like about. creatures. Yes. Right, and they're like, we're cleaning up pollution. Right, right. And the bad guys so the are Captain all like Planet, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. corporate monsters. Right, it was like a, a, somewhere between Captain Planet and... Uh, Ninja Turtles. And JD was like, we should try to do like a new Toxic Crusaders cartoon. And they pitched it to Adult Swim and they loved it. And they couldn't find the contracts right. from the old cartoon. They were like, we have the rights. Oh, God. <laughs> and he was like, I spent six months going through filing cabinets. Right. And they just read. And I found like the original cells from it. Yeah. I found like the audio tracks. Right. But not the contracts. I could never find the contracts to be able to do it. That's yeah. the Donkey Kong story. When Nintendo created Donkey Kong and they were like, you know. Yeah, he's kind of like King Kong, but, like, who's going to sue us? And then Universal was like, when it got big, when it became this phenomenon, Universal was like, we are absolutely suing you. This is King Kong. You're ripping us off. Yeah. And Nintendo was about to be destroyed. Like, that would have destroyed them. 
And then someone at Nintendo was like, do they own Donkey? Do they own King Kong? And they checked and they did not. Yeah. No one had registered King Kong. Like it was just Universal just assumed they owned it. Yeah. And so Nintendo owns King Kong, like bought the trademark, the video game trademark of yeah. King Kong. Of Donkey Kong. But like, like they made it. Yes, exactly. They made it so like King Kong could not like be associated. You know, they, well, they like I guess got in there. They got the Donkey Kong rights before anyone had got, figured right, out the right, King Kong right, rights. Exactly. Um, so we're Nazca Valley of the Wind. Yes. Uh, coming off of Castle of Cagliostro. Right. This is Miyazaki's second film, and it's his first film that he himself has, like, brought to fruition. But it's not a Ghibli film. No, a Ghibli he doesn't really He sort of later gets yet. the rights back. Yeah. Right. Right. But it's founded with a Castle in the Sky, right? Doesn't he do Ghibli right after this? Yeah. 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 This is kind of, that's why you would maybe call this, like, the guarantor. This is what yeah. gets right. him the cred to have his the own blank studio. Check. The blank yes. And let us say, Lulu has put in more prep work than any other guest we've ever had on the show <laughs> and that you watched every Miyazaki film two times before coming <laughs> Maybe on. Maybe well, an exaggeration. Not every, but okay. I but, but, You tried but to watch, also, right. But I also think it's important to watch. It, you have a very different experience when you watch the the, the new dub version, uh-huh. the old dub version, the, mm-hmm. old, the Japanese uh, dialogue. Mm-hmm. It just, I mean... As somebody who's bilingual yeah. and who's just made a film that's bilingual, that, that stuff is important. Mm-hmm. I, I have uh, been uh, tough on myself about the fact that I have not been diligent about watching each one in both versions. Because I feel I've been watching them all subtitled. I and have, I feel like, well, that's like obviously the purer version, the preferred version. But I also feel like I'm not getting like 25% of the experience. I. The, the way this, I, I'm more of a, I've seen all the movies before. Griffin's kind of a Miyazaki neophyte. Yeah. Griffin's more of an animation fan than I am. I right. Griffin is more steep. This is a big blind spot for right. me, and I'm like, this right. is my. But so I have seen immersion most of the therapy. Versions. I had yeah. never seen the, the new Disney dub of this that was done, I think, about 10 or 15 years ago, 2005. Yeah. Uh, so I watched the dub. I watched the Allison Loman, Patrick Stewart dub. I do love how much all of the Disney dubs are such time capsules of the exact year the yeah, dub whoever, was done. Especially because of Miyazaki always ha- often has a plucky female character. Right. And so you're right. Like, who was the plucky female, you know, sort of voice actor that could right. be like sort of moderate star? Like, Shia LaBeouf is sort of the plucky male teen that you can like right. from that era, right? This, this is sort is of like, like the a year before Transformers or whatever. That's the thing. This right. is the one moment where Shia LaBeouf would be your choice for this. Like, he's yeah. a couple years past being goofball, even Steven's guy. Right. But he's not yet serious leading man. He's not like Hollywood just being like, I guess you're the biggest star in America. You know what I mean? Like, right. after Transformers, they're like, let's find you some stuff to do. Do you remember that Vanity Fair cover that's him in the desert with a space suit? And it says, like, Shia LaBeouf has landed. Is he the next Tom Hanks? Like, that's another example. The things example. they do to people. I was going to say, you of course Sundance. he went crazy. I assume, yeah. Did you see any other movies when you were at Sundance? Because he had his movie. Uh, like, he did. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm friends with Alma. And we right, just, right. Uh, yeah. Alma Harrell, I, I believe. Yes. yes, yes. We, I did not have, exactly. I did not have time to watch a single yeah, other movie. You were just on the My eyes were, yeah. like, down at the ground as I was being ushered from room to room and into cars and then into, like, another room. It's a very surreal place. Anyway, like Park City, the whole yeah. Sundance thing is very surreal. Here's another question I want to ask you, and I apologize if this is something you don't want to answer uh, because it's too stressful. Um, d- does it feel like you're running like a presidential campaign right now? Like because of like you premiere the movie in January, people love it there. It gets bought. You're doing months of lead up to it coming out. Now you're doing the press afterwards. Everyone's obviously going like, is this like, could this be an awards thing? Does it feel like you're on just like, 
this like year long like endless trail. Yes. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And then it's like keeping the conversation going. It's right. like the stories outside of the main story. And it's like, well, I put the story on film. Well, what is every other angle that, you know, right. like that we can go, how's your cousin doing? And how's <laughs> yeah. your how's your dad doing? How's your mom? So what did she do before? What does she do now? And how do they feel? And we haven't sold like, this side of you or sold you to this cross section of audience. Well, right. And you or, made a right. movie that's a, that's inspired by your own yeah. life. So you've yeah. got that where people are actually just like, so I feel like I know you really well. Like, tell yeah. me more about your mom or what, right? Like, yeah. Or, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just, I can't imagine that like sense of like, you like you spike a ball in January, right? The movie premieres, everyone loves it. Must feel like a massive sense of relief to some extent. Yeah. And then everyone's like, cool. Now you're gonna work relentlessly for like the next twelve months. No, it's true. And every time I'm like, how much longer, guys? How much they're like, you're at the tail end. Like someone, one person right. on May 24 will be like, Thank you, you're at the tail end of this. And I'll be like, Thank God. And then I'll like talk to someone else and they'll be like, Well, right at the beginning. This is right. almost the end of the beginning. I'm like, right. what are you talking about? You know, and it's just right. like it, it all just depends on your perspective. Right. You finished phases of it yeah. that, that will transition into But because other I've phases. never been right. through it, I don't know what phase I'm in. Sure, I don't sure. know how much longer the phases yeah. go. Do you feel that pressure of like like Oh, like th- this. This is like testing really well. When we like talk about it like this, this sees this bump in activity versus no. like you're not like no I getting th- your head about it. Yeah, no, I think they're just like you know, like don't 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 say anything super weird. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I I could name examples maybe of other directors, and they're just like don't do that. Don't do don't don't sure don't sure, don't sure. name the person you slept with the night before. Yeah, you know, on air and be like, but I'm giving her a platform. Yeah, don't do that. And I was like, okay, I won't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, very good advice. Don't, do you find though that like like the the, the limited bursts of press that I have done in my life, which are nothing compared to what you're going through right now, I ended up feeling like when I used to be like a greeter at the Disney store. And I'm just like auto-reflexively. Which you used to be. I used to be a greater at the Disney store. I'm not trying to, you know, throw down the gauntlet and press you too much. <laughs> but I used to be the greeter at the Disney store, second floor, Times Square. Wow. I don't understand why they need a second floor greeter because there were three first floor greeters. But they said the second floor should feel like a different store entirely. Um, <laughs> but but when I, w- I had like my four lines of copy and I would just say them over and over again all day to different people. And when you're doing press, it's like this you, – you generally talk about the same basic types of things. Kind of, yeah. And then if I, – I would find that if I would try to, for the sake of my own sanity, go off of the basic things, I would then get so nervous about like am I saying something I shouldn't say. Right. Yeah, but that's – but I also don't want to feel like Disney and that's why I intentionally right. like right. just try to be present in the moment yeah. and respond um, authentically. And yeah, but it's hard because you're just like was it – was that was I okay to say that? I don't know. It, it's it's definitely safer to stick right to the script. That's the double edged sword. But it makes way. you feel like a phony. It makes you feel like you're losing your mind. Sure. Yeah, and I was just talking to a journalist who did a piece on uh, AOC mm-hmm. and also did a uh, uh, Hillary did like a followed her on the campaign yeah. trail and was just saying how like what's um, so great about Alexandra is that she's so young and so excited and she'll just she'll speak her mind she she isn't jaded yet she yeah. hasn't been like you don't she, watch her give the same answer like 400 times exactly right, 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 exactly right. and give she the same speech 400 and times. she doesn't mind she's like ready to fight you know but yeah. then but and and when she gets in the car it's sort of like whoo right. how was that like let's debrief about it yeah. like a real person um but in following hillary and 
unfortunately, like, she's just been, you know, bombarded for how many she's years? She's been in the like, soup for, like, 40, it's like 45 someone that years. been right. in the she's ensemble just, of Phantom of the Opera yeah. since, like, 1997. So, like, when she gets in the car, she just sort of, like, powers down and is quiet? Like, no, she's, I mean, she, no, the wall stays up. Oh, it's right, like the wall right, is up right, right. against press. Yeah. She gives the things that, the you know, the talking points, and when she gets in the car— She's always on. Yeah. Basically, she doesn't know how to turn it off. Mm-hmm. And because the it's a journalist and she knows it's a journalist, she is still on. So you right. just can't beneath, get beneath that wall. Right. Whereas Alexandria, it's like, you know, you see the that there's a human underneath. Yeah. It's like yeah, doing I mean, their best. and It's one of the zillion things that's so engaging and exciting about her. It's like, you're like, oh, this is like me. This is yeah. a person I can like yeah. imagine. She's like answering emotionally. It's like yeah. the real version yeah. of like the person you could get a beer with, right? Like right. that old like political litmus test. Yeah. Like, oh, well, you know, I could get a beer with that guy. David like, just uh, picked up his water bottle. My empty water bottle. And pretended he was drinking a beer <laughs> in case Lulu and I didn't get it. Shut up. But he was saying, um, but I was so like I, I uh, uh, actors who I respect a lot, who I think are enormously talented and also are decent, uh, seemingly centered human beings, who have advised me like you should just do the thing where you prepare all your answers in advance. Oh yeah, and you give everyone the same answers so that you don't have the anxiety about saying the wrong thing mm-hmm. or the performance anxiety about did I do better at this one or worse at this one or this or that. But I just feel like like the Hillary thing you're talking about. That's like an invitation to start completely like, disconnecting yourself from reality. Yeah. You know? Where then, like, like, well, that's one of the things. People talk about, like, how, like, like fame or success, like, distorts people. But I also think, like, press, like, really fucks with people's heads if they are under such a spotlight that they have to do it constantly. Oh, yeah. And media they, training. Right. People and go through media training. And then you just become this, like, performative person in all areas of your life and right. so protective that then it's just, like, how are you ever going to have that same sort of, like, uh, organic emotional response to things. Yeah. Yeah. I also see the importance of it, right? Because I do think that there is a lot of press out there who, uh, you know, they want a soundbite. They might yeah. want to corner you. Something. Or, sure. see, right. you know, or something goes wrong. Like, so, you know, let's say you, you, you work with somebody that you shouldn't and then it's like, well, how are you going to apologize? Yeah. How are you going to talk about it? And uh, you, it's hard, right? Because you want to be honest, but then if you get attacked totally. for it, mm-hmm. then, then you're like, well, I, I'm... Can I curse on this show? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. So then you're like, well, fuck that. I'm not going to be honest anymore. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck that. All right. <laughs> Such a relief. Yes. Uh, yeah, no. I, 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 I like, yes. These are things. There is nothing in the world that stresses me out more than, than this. Than, yeah. than like, press stuff. Uh, and that sort of challenge of, like, how do you try to be an authentic person in a world where also any single bit of press you do could end up having an equal amount of weight. It's not like if you do something for the New York Times, you can just be on your best behavior for that. And the thing you do for like the Wichita Express yeah. isn't going to get coverage because it could just get screen grabbed and go viral. Oh, exactly. And they can the like grab like w- three sentences or right. whatever, one sentence right. and make it like a headline, take it completely out of context. And now you're engaged. You're forced to engage in a conversation yes. about something that was is was not meant to be taken that way. And I'm sure uh, you have experienced this, and David, I know, has experienced this on the opposite side of the table. Sure. But just how fucking differently things read in transcript form. It is nuts. 
It is nuts. And I do, that happens to me when I've interviewed a director, whoever, and you're like going through the transcript yeah. and you're like, and right. And you're like, oh, on paper, this seems aggressive right. or this seems not funny. Like, and I yeah. know right, it was Right, because you're missing tone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you try to be like, affects this kind of a voice, you know, try to sort of maybe yeah. like communicate the intent of the comment or, or you're just like. Right. right. That's why there are always those things in like profiles that are like, he stares off into the middle he distance and bites his prime. lip. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Because they're trying to get, but not like tone obviously is a big part of it. The other thing I find is like. If you're doing that a lot, it means they didn't say anything. Yeah, that, yes, that's the yeah, real price. That's, that's, that's right. If secret. it's a lot of talking about how they like look at the air, then you're, you're in trouble. The other thing I find is that like removing rhythm fucks well, with it a lot this happened yeah. to me I think I've talked haven't, I interviewed Mackenzie Davis uh, yeah. the actress that's her name Mackenzie uh, yes, Davis yes. You know, uh, for, and she was for Always Shine which mm-hmm. is this little indie movie with uh, Sophia Takala movie yeah. a great movie and uh, I had like the most wonderful conversation with her and we were just like so we were just laughing and saying all these and then I wrote it up as a transcript and I was like this is Unprintable. <laughs> it's yeah. so boring. Yeah. Like it's just two people like chatting. Like there is some purpose to the more sort of like let me get a long answer out of you with a yeah. short question. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I had a couple of those where I was like, man, like all that press I did like for like season two, uh, I, that interview never came out. Uh huh. Right. That because they, like they, such they, a fun they, one. They typed I, it up <laughs> and they're like, oh, this is just like two people talking. These are two like, dorks who like the same movies. Why isn't he answering <laughs> questions about like what was it like to work with? It's also weird to go off on because I speak sometimes like I just did right now in tangents. Like I'll I'll start to say a sentence and then I'll go off and then I'll you're come in the back right place. Then, this is ta- home yeah. of the tangent. Baby. Yeah, but if you if you type that out into a transcript, you, right, right, you're right. like, I sound so dumb. Yes, Why right. did they print that? Why did they yeah. have me start a sentence? You you know what I meant? Like oh, right, take right. out that part. One hundred percent. Yeah. I I like sometimes will like I shouldn't do right, this. I'm just gonna go check on something. You can keep talking. David's going to check on no, something. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, I I will sometimes like reach out to someone. Now it's like the, the you know Twitter, and it's easy enough to like contact the person afterwards and be like, "Can you just like remove those two words?" And I'm not like censoring myself, and I'm not removing something that like is objectionable that I put in. It's just like it sounds dumb. That sounds dumb now. Yeah, you know that's not what I meant, and now it's just, yeah, right. I and, would love that. I actually would. I mean, it's a lot more work, obviously, yeah. for me. But if I had to read my own transcripts yeah. and then edit it out. Um, but I, yeah, I would probably like that. A couple times I've done that, especially with like phoners where I'm like rambling and about stuff. The tangents are long. I'm like, can you just send it to me before you publish it? I won't change the intent of anything. Yeah. I just want to streamline some of my rambling. Yeah. I wish that I, I'm learning. I shouldn't say I, that because then people get fired for sending me shit, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just don't, I don't even know that things are going to be transcript transcribe yeah you know i think we're having a conversation they're recording for the sake of like being able to remind themselves and write to to write the article and then later i'm like oh you were gonna just literally transcribe our conversation if i had known that i would have spoken differently differently. right Right. (laughs) all right guys got it Lula has a tighter time window than I thought. Interesting. So oh. we got to talk Miyazaki now. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, we've been very tangenty, but I didn't realize you got a tighter window. It's a, you got a long day. So You're let's talk Miyazaki. Trail. I'm sorry yes. to pivot it. Okay. So he makes Cag- Castle Cagliostro. That's right. Which is not well received, despite being a fucking awesome movie. Sure. Because yeah, the yeah, fans thought it was this. too much of a departure from the series. Right, right, right. So sure, then sure, sure, he right. is trying to make another film. Right. He and, writes a manga. Right. Well, the, that comes out of... He tries to make another film, no no bites, no uh-huh. buyers. Right, right. Uh, the publisher of the manga reaches out to him and says, 
I liked Castle of Cagliostro. Mm-hmm. Would you want to try to do something in print? Right. So that's sort of someone throwing him a life raft, mm-hmm. which then after a couple of years of him doing that, he said, I think I could probably sell this as a movie. Mm-hmm. He had now had a proof of concept. By but he never something. wanted to make a movie. That was not his intention. Right. right. Which I find really interesting that for him it was like, I guess this is the pathway to be able to make a film again, right. which is what I want to be doing. But he didn't write. He didn't write it with like, I'll show him and then they'll they'll let me make and it. And I don't right. think he even really – I think he had to really consider it before wanting to, before making it into a film because they're two different art forms. It's, and, it yeah, sounds right. like he had tried to pitch other films to the same producers yeah. and they were like, no, if we're going to give you money to make a movie, it should be this thing. Right. Um, yeah, so he, he like, kind of, not begrudgingly, mm-hmm. but had to figure out how to uh, uh, adapt his own work that was fully designed for a different medium yeah. and not just as some proof of concept. Um, so what's your relationship with Miyazaki before I dragged you onto this podcast? And made what had up? I seen? Yeah, like, or, yeah, how, right, had you watched um, him at all as a kid, or was it more something you discovered when you're getting into movies? More when I was getting into movies, um... Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, I'd seen Princess Mononoke mm-hmm. and Spirited Away, right. and um, but years and years ago, mm-hmm. and I'd seen Nausicaa, but the Japanese version sure. I had not seen this dub version. But yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm, you know, you're not like a Miyazaki file or anything like that. No, not right. not. I I guess um, it, toward in animation in general, it's not. I I love it. I do. I enjoy when it's good. It's great. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call myself a. Yeah. So what was it like to, yeah, to fire it up? What, how much did you get to watch, like, of other Miyazakis? Because we were supposed to record this, like, uh, a couple weeks ago. And I, we rescheduled because you specifically asked for more time to watch more of the I films. I know, and I wish Which, that— uh, Two thumbs up! More <laughs> work know, than I'm we so, usually do. Well, and, and honestly, I didn't watch as much as I wanted to. I got the entire collection. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw, yeah, right, right. Uh, not, not just the Miyazaki, but all of the other ones from right, the studio right. as yeah. well. Which are and, all worth it. I mean, the Takahatas are all amazing. and Whisper of the Heart is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't watch all of them. <laughs> no, no. There's a lot of movies. It's yeah, a lot. You're also on a, yeah, publicity yeah. treadmill yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. But we got to talk Nausicaa. Yes. So let's talk Nausicaa. Cool. Great. So this movie opens awesomely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not realize uh, I, I I had so little understanding of what this movie was before watching it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other Ghibli's, I feel like I had more of like through osmosis, like oh, this is the one that's like about that or this. Mm-hmm. And then like sixty seconds in, I was like, oh wait, this is his Starship Troopers. Sure, <laughs> like right. this is his People versus Bugs movie. It fe- it also feels like his tenth movie, not his second movie. You know, totally. it feels like yeah. some opus that you work your way up to, right? Because it's right. like. This like big dense like universe that he's constructed with all these like warring tribes and like and encapsulate all all of his themes. It's all his thing. Yeah, planes, flight, flight. Right. I was gonna say right. yeah. bugs, female, <laughs> yeah, protagonist, right, heroine. plucky, plucky heroines. It's also that thing though where this feels the like man's relationship with nature. Right? You know yeah. you know, what yeah. what what the Pacifism humanity has done to the, the world. Right, right battle. Right. For dominance of this stupid planet. And like, what is spirituality in the future going to look like? Yeah. You know, as religion falls away. But the, but the other thing that like, it's, I think so far and away, the most plotty of his movies, which makes sense because he's trying to compress like this multi-volume thing he wrote into like a sizable narrative. Whereas I feel like from watching his other films, mm. it feels like he tries to find a very simple thing. And then tell the story as simply as possible with enough room to breathe. This is like his fastest moving movie. 
Which is what I appreciate. Well, I appreciate that because in a way, I feel like um, I experienced that as a younger filmmaker that you, in a way, don't know. You don't trust that you're going to have an abundant career and you're going to get to make. You're just sort of like, this is it. Somebody's giving me a chance. I got to say everything I need to ever say. Mm -hmm. I need to put in here. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you gain confidence maybe and you go, oh, okay. Like, it's better to explore something small in depth and really go deep. And maybe something I don't need to be. And right, right. Yeah. Like especially, personal or to quieter. Especially yeah. for him, if you're the guy who made the unpopular entry in a popular franchise. Right. He's in that zone where it's like, like he made the last Jedi of Lupin the Third. Sure. Where right. like some people were like, this is a masterpiece. And other people were like, not my Lupin. Sure. Right, so right, right, he, right. the amount of backlash he must have felt was like scary. Mm-hmm. And then the time it took for him to be able to get another movie made, and that it wasn't the thing he wanted to make the most, but was this thing that happened in a roundabout way, it does feel like him being like, this could be my last movie. Yeah. Yeah. Leave it on the dance floor. That's so interesting because I felt that way about The Farewell, which is my second film as well. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, that's a weird parallel. You were sort of like, if I don't get to make this now, like. Yeah. And and also because I had made a first feature, didn't Mm -hmm. get distributed widely. No one else was throwing money at me to let me make another film. Mm -hmm. And I took the farewell and made it into a different medium, right? Right, right like right. and you, and you, made it made an it IP, this American right? Life. right this yeah. American right. life, right. and yeah. then that led me right. to producers saying, "Let's make that into a film," right? And then me going, actually, I found a sort of purity of expression in this other medium. Right? Maybe it's fine as and just maybe that way. maybe right. that's better, right? right? Which is kind of how uh, Miyazaki felt when he did the manga. Right. To 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 say, well, if I do this for film, are they going to make me make it? Does it need to be bigger? Does it need to, how do I and and uh, and like with with the bugs, mm-hmm. he kept it identical to the manga. Yeah. You know, and it was more about like how do I maintain the spirit that's in the manga, the purity of it, and yeah. try to transfer it to. Film, which is something that I thought a lot about with The Farewell, was like, how do I not like suddenly make it these different plots and make it make it bigger and more cathartic than Mm -hmm. than I want it to be? How do I maintain the tone that I captured? Right. And how did you do that? Yeah. (laughs) In the radio story. Yeah. Uh, You don't mean it's hard, but like like an impossible question. I don't know how you pulled that off. Well, you push against um, sort of the. That we need inclination. something like this. Like, can yeah. you introduce like this you kind just, of a thing? Yeah, right? you just yeah. question it and you go, well, because if this is successful, mm-hmm. why is it successful, right? As a right. radio story, like mm-hmm. with when you when you don't have visuals to look at and you have a very simple soundtrack and some and some you know textures, like because I had recorded sound from the wedding and from yeah. my family and we did interviews, mm-hmm. but there's something so pure about all that and yet it connects. And so that's the thing, like I find about. Um, Nausicaa it's like the the simplicity of it is what is so meaningful and mm-hmm. it is what what connects and so yeah I mean I just would question the need for some really dramatic plot and you know uh, you know some kind of low point some kind of third act turning point well, you know sure, all that stuff some right? more like farcical or high stakes like but, right. but that's like uh, you know I mean the the thing I love about your film and that I've been loving watching these Miyazaki movies and discovering them is just like th- that that beautiful simplicity and that like confidence in the restraint you know where I just feel like I watch The Farewell I watch so many of these films and I'm like this is incredible that he's not doing the thing that 99 out of 100 filmmakers would do 
that he's trusting he can convey it with like this gesture and not verbalize this like you know huge emotional point yeah which is like the farewell is like like so much undercurrent so much unspoken stuff yeah and it's yeah. and it's also not creating these um sort of artificial but standard binaries right, right. like right. good versus evil and this is this is how a woman behaves this is how a man behaves this is what these are the good good guys these are the enemies and, and you know there's a lot more complexity yeah in all of that, even with the bad guys, you're like, oh, I kind of understand why they're doing what they're doing. It's out of protection, not just because they're, like, evil. Right, right. That's that's incredible. Like, you compare this to Starship Troopers, and Starship Troopers ends with Nazi Neil Patrick Harris sure, reading yeah. the mind of the bug right. and cheering the fact that they're afraid because it's all about propaganda. And this is, like, her being like, oh, wait, fuck. They're, like, just trying to survive. Yeah. Right, right, right. You know, it's like she comes at it with, like, complete empathy. We have to get Lulu out of here. We can keep talking. Oh, we do? Okay. Oh, I think no. so. I, think, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think. Wait, I'm just going to say one last yeah, thing, though. Say, okay. I, say thing. What I love, uh, too, and I have a question about, is that he, he says that people people have said Nausicaa is his, like, most um, optimistic film. Okay, which sure. Because it ends happily. Because it ends yeah, happily. Right. And Things he, could be better, right. There and, are victories. And Well, and he rejects yeah. that. He, he He feels like... He feels like, well, all my films are optimistic. They're hopeful. But maybe the reason that people feel the most with Nausicaa is because it has what he says is a catharsis at the end. Right. And he yeah. did that as a way just to wrap up the story and end the story and and uh, said from, from you know, from, from then on, he never wanted to do that again is have this, like, mm. this sort catharsis. Of like bow yeah. ending. Like, right. yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, and I love that because I do think, like, I wonder if that's a very Western thing to, 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 to desire catharsis. to, yeah. to Right. Require like, it. Something like, must have changed here. Yes. Like, why else would I have Art experienced this it, story? Right. Exactly. And right. in, in many ways, it's like if his movies are not about, like, you watch the movie and then you feel good that things are changed in the end. It's like, actually, it's a it's a, it's a a calling to continue to think about these issues. It's, it's not that simple. Yeah, I think also, like, the most interesting movies, and The Farewell certainly falls into this, are, like, stories of people learning to accept what has been the case sure right rather right, than right. being like fundamentally changed by something or like someone enters the situation and they for some reason are the person who can magically change everything like we're more it's more just like a person right. situation and they have to come to terms right with the situation. When, when things become that fully transformative sure. you know yeah and can that be a, a hero can can a person be a hero simply by coming to a, a greater understanding yeah. rather than you know being actually the person who comes and changes the entire situation and saves the day, quote unquote. Right. 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 Which I feel that feels to me like a very like Western perspective of like, you know, put a bow on it, like done, saved. Right. We're good. Right. And and Nasca deals with that shit and with also like, oh, like the legend of a savior coming with a blue dress from the sky and all right. these sorts right. of right. things where like And they, they were like, oh, this is what that means. They view right, her right. as like an archetype of like right. the one where they're like, well, she's just going to solve this. She's going right, to save right. everyone it's not and that, save the right. day. Right. right. Yeah. Well, right, she's just a person who's trying to get a better understanding of the world. Um, we'll keep talking. But Lily, I think, I mean, I, 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 I would love to keep you, but I think, you know. Are they like waving through yeah, the little window? Waving. They're waving. Oh, okay. Yeah. We only got no. an hour. They have a jackhammer. They're trying to break into the studio. I was going to try to name all the like current female people. We've talked about Britney Spears, like who are Nausicaa. Oh, a- dude, a- let's a- do it. And Speed a- round. A- AOC. Yes, yes of course. Yes. Right. 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 Um, fuck, other people who are Nausicaa. 
Uh, Britney Spears. <laughs> Britney Spears, AOC. <laughs> that's probably it, right? It's most important America. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there are. Uh, like, you sort of young, uh, like, you know, like the Rihannas of the world where people are like, this person is changing how everything works. Like, it's a, right? Like, and yeah. they have their, like, uh, you know, like, the, a, the, like a diplomat breaking. too, like yeah. in between two yeah, different true. worlds, and yeah. saying like, "Hey, mm. I'm I'm coming from this side, but I'm not arguing for them. I'm I'm here right. as a, yeah. a mediator, right? right?" Right. The other one I keep thinking about is it like Natalie Portman, who almost played Nausicaa, mm-hmm. was announced by Disney to play Nausicaa. Mm-hmm. Uh, is someone where it's just like, oh, culture's been putting all of our bullshit on her for 20 well, years. it is. Yeah, the arc of her career is great. Right. Like right. when you think about the kind of role she played when she was a teenager. And the, and kind the way of she like was talked about in the media and like, yeah. Well, yeah. Lulu, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Guys. Please return anytime you want. Yeah, I'm sorry our I podcast is so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I love it. Well, I'll come back when things are calmer. Sure. And we'll talk other directors. Amen. Amazing. We're doing uh, next and then. Don Rubin also That might be a secret. that out. We haven't. You sure. haven't? No. You're a big okay, Ruben Oslo fan. I yeah. just talked to him for like an hour and a half. It was the most amazing thing. If you want to come and just do Lulu's Choice, I mean, we can do Lulu's <laughs> Choice. Yeah. 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 I'm just going to yeah. pitch you guys. Anytime. Yeah, yeah. anytime. Coriana? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. If it's one of David's favorites. Yeah. Okay, and we're back. We're back. Hi, uh, we're back. Hi. Um, yep. I'm going to paraphrase everything that we talked about for the last 40 minutes when we took a break. Okay. okay. Yes, we had to. We only had Lulu for an hourish, so we thought we'll we had it for longer. Yeah, now, admittedly, I, we take up a lot of people's time. We do. This is a fact. We do. We're yeah. very aware of. And then this. I realized we didn't have her for longer because she's got a whole day ahead of her. This is also a thing that publicists think. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Very I'm, happy that they let her be on the show. Me, me too. Don't want to shit talk anyone. I'm not. I'm not shit talking anyone. I'm just saying, when I was uh, doing tech press. And I was like, I want to use this to get on the podcast that I would like to guest on. They would always be like, you expect us to let you sit somewhere for two hours? Only doing one thing? Wasn't Doughboys the one where they were like, we need him like all day, basically? They were like, well, we have to have dinner with him in Long Beach the night before. And then over two hours to record the following day. And I was like, this is the most important thing in the world to me. And they were like, no fucking way. Here's the thing I want to say, and I don't, I don't, I, I, you know, this might sound like corny. I'm connecting thoughts for the sake of neatness, you know, uh, the type of catharsis we were saying we don't always need. Uh, uh, Lulu, feel, Lulu feels like she's kind of in a Nausicaa position right now. A Nausicaa position. When we were in this break, we were talking about how crazy it must feel to be her right now. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, you, in, in intellectual you. circles, right. She is getting that same sort of attention of everyone being like, you're, you're the thing. Right, 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 right. You're like a genius. Everything you about think? you is fascinating. Right. Do you know about all the stuff that's happening in culture right now? Right. Weigh in. Right. Sound off. But also all the expectations of like, we expect this movie's going to get hardware in nine yeah. months. And like the fact, the fact that it is like the, the best performing indie of the year in a year where indies are not performing well. She's like, if she's, she seems to be handling it very well. Yeah. But I just cannot imagine the stress she's under right now. Yeah. She is she is handling it though with the grace and valiant heroism of Nausicaa. Now, what do you think of Nausicaa, Griff? I like it. Yeah. I will say, weirdly, because we have largely been going out of order. Well, mostly I'm, in I'm sorry, order. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I said the opposite of what right. I meant. We've been largely going in order, but this one we had to reschedule, so we're doing it a little right. out. We've right. done a lot of them already. Right. right. 
Um, so yes, we had mostly done them in order, mm-hmm. and I feel like I would enjoy this more if I had seen it sandwiched in between Lupin and Castle in the Sky. Mm-hmm. Because now that I've seen like the evolution away from it, this one feels like a little busy to me. Where I'm like, hey, hey, hey hi, slow it down. But it's like Lulu was saying, that's sort of like, he might have just been like, I... Hey, he's leaving it on the dance floor. Right, they're giving me money to make this thing. I'm going to make this, thing. and that element's impressive because he's taking his manga, which goes on, right, and sort of giving it a bit of a clear ending. Yeah, right. Here's another thing about it, which I kind of like, but it's just an empirical fact. Sure, this is kind of the only one of his movies, and I'm not going to speak about this very elegantly because I will lack most of the terms. Okay, okay. This is kind of his only movie that I recognize has a bunch of animation cheats in it. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Well, it was made, right, made much cheaper. and Right. Right, yeah. And like Lupin, he presumably had greater resources because it was a big franchise. Yeah. Already, it was a proven thing. And then after this, he's proven himself. And like this, for example, once again, a thing I aesthetically love. Mm -hmm. This is no detriment to me. Right. I love practical shit. I love the seams of movie making, you know? Yeah, yeah. I like being able to see shit. Um, but just because we've been watching these other ones that are like so clean, so immaculate and are also, um, on these Blu-rays, especially transfers that are like off of the original elements Uh of the animation. Whereas you're watching this and you're like, this is a restoration of the film print capture of the animation cells. If that makes sense. Right. right, You know, like you see the flicker and the, what's the cheat here? Here's like an example of a cheat. Yeah. It changes at the very end for the final couple of battles. But for a lot of the movie, the big bugs are done with cutout animation. Uh-huh. Yeah. So rather than... It kind of gives them a cool look, though. It I makes them kind of rad. alien. That's right, what I'm right, saying. Right. It rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even ra- I know what you're talking rather about. Rather than hand-drawing frame by frame these right. super detailed large things... They're kind of moving them... Right. It's the style that South Park started with is now approximating, where you cut out pieces of paper and you move those pieces of paper... And so, like, the big bugs are, like, four different pieces of paper that they compress and expand like an accordion. Right. But they're not, like, sort of pulsating and vibrating, like, if you were drawing every little element of them. No, right? yeah, yeah, they yeah. are—it's essentially two-dimensional stop motion, right? if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, there's stuff like that. I think, and I have no, you know, proof to back this up, I imagine that the design of the facial hair on most of the main characters— is also to simplify uh, mouth movement. There are some big bushy stashes in this film. And you have a majority of the male characters, and by that proxy, a majority of the characters who just have a mound of fur in front of their mouth that just vibrates a little bit when they talk. And you don't have to worry about... That's kind of a cool look, too. These are all things that I like. Okay! I just think it's interesting to watch because after this, it's like... after this, he becomes the maestro who's like... Lush, right. right. And there was a thing on the Wikipedia that said uh, that for this film, I don't know if this is like a standard thing in Japanese animation or not, but I certainly like felt like they only cited this to go on to pass along the pressures, mm-hmm. the financial pressures upon the movie that the animators were paid per frame. Oh, crazy! So I imagine they were really like counting the beans about like uh, how many frames are you going to devote to, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I do. And so I see more things where, like, I see a couple of the things, too, where it feels like the layered cell of, like, a Hanna-Barbera thing where, like, the character's kind of still and only their hand is moving. Right. There are only a couple moments with things like that. 
But I, it, it, I found it very interesting to watch him trying to be resourceful mm-hmm. and crafty because the scale of this movie is so fucking big. The scale is big Crazy. and the storytelling scale is also big. Yeah. Right. Because like it opens and you're like, it's like the, the seven days of fire, there's an apocalypse. Yeah. And you're like, okay, it's a post-apocalyptic world. Right. I get that. Right. I get that. Yeah. It's fine. Here's Nausicaa. What does she do? Yeah. Flies on a cool glider. Mm-hmm. Wears a cool gas mask. Yeah. Is a princess, I guess, of like, you know, the Valley of the Wind is uh-huh. like, right? And I'm like, okay, I can get that. Yeah. That's cool. And then like an airship crash lands and there's a princess in it and the airship was from one tribe and the right. princess is from another tribe. And then suddenly I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I need to write this down. I'm sorry. I didn't uh-huh. get all this. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I felt that because the first yeah. 20 minutes I was like. I'm, I'm getting this. it. I'm getting it. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And then yes. I was like, okay, I got to pause, reconsult the Wikipedia. hundred yeah, percent. The thing that I think hangs was my hang up. I remember the first time I saw yeah. it. I, like, I didn't get that. The princess who dies, who yes. was in the, is not from the same kingdom as the sort of belligerent airship kingdom that, you know, attacks. Right. Cool. I also did not get that until just now. Right. She and the, uh, as uh, the Shia LaBeouf, um, you know, the, uh, the, Asbel uh-huh. right, are from a, n- a third kingdom, right? The one that is not as warlike, uh-huh. and uh, has found that old apocalyptic, you know, the the, the sort of crazy thing that they're sure. gonna, right, but would never deploy it. Uh-huh. And they've been captured because the warlike, uh, the the you know the crazy princess lady in the metal armor, right? Yeah. You know, they're the ones who want to like deploy it, right? And. So there's three factions, yeah. but you could easily watch this movie and be like, there's two factions, right? Yeah. There's the Valley of the Wind people and there's everyone else. Right. This was the one to- And it's all made up names. Yes. This was the one too where, as I was saying, I was most tempted to put on the dub just because I'm like- Yes. Just might make my life a little easier. Sure. Yes. And it, did, it did. I, you I did watched it. the dub. Yeah. I, I feel like I should have done it because I felt a little- I switched it like about yeah. uh, because it just got too dense and it, I was like see that's I the thing I feel like yeah. I spent four or five hours watching this movie because I kept on taking breaks to try to like like reorient myself mm-hmm. and I could have just watched it with two hours with the dub and and I thought I was going to feel like a phony but now it turns out that I'm the only one who didn't do that's that that's fine I have seen the subtitle version <laughs> sure, uh, sure. Uh, more than a couple times uh, I had never seen the dub yeah and I think I've never seen the dub because I associated this one with having a notorious dub, and then I realized, like, oh no, there is actually like a. Um, That's why I was a well-regarded to dub. Do it, yeah, right. And I watched the well-regarded dub, and it seemed um, pretty good. Uh-huh. You know, I I always feel the same way though, where I'm like, oh, that's Patrick Stewart. Right. And then I'm just like watching this character that was not drawn with Patrick Stewart in mind. Yeah. And I'm just thinking of Patrick Stewart. I'm thinking of Jean Luc Picard. I'm right. thinking, and I'm like. Patrick Stewart, Patrick Stewart, Patrick. You know, just, it's just sort of like whispering in the back of my head, and I just can't avoid it. Lord Yupa is pretty cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, no, but the, the thing where he grabs her sword uh-huh. and like is just slowly bleeding on it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm loving how quickly we're just like sleeping back into our usual silly bullshit. bullshit. Yeah, Lulu's here. We're our like, oh my god, changed. this person is fucking. I like, want her to smart. think that I'm not a moron. I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> Ben's just like... <laughs> you, you saw the farewell You saw the farewell. You were deeply moved you by texted it. Us, texting you were like, the it shit out of us. Me. Right. Yeah. Because I have I have to do this with my grandparents. Oh, They're yeah. 97 and 95. Oh, that's very old. They're wow. celebrating oh. their 75th wedding anniversary in Amazing. October. Oh. 
and they don't really remember me or each oh, other. Boy. It's really sad. That is sad. That is sad. Uh, so it was just heavy for me to see this movie with yeah. that context. And also, this is just a It's, it's a, a very great, good movie. I think it's a wonderful movie. She made a great movie. I think it might be the movie of the year. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple it's other. It's your number so, one. Right it's now, my right? one, two. I, I keep flipping between it and the souvenir. I have not decided. Souvenir Guys, my, my list is always in flux. Yeah. Um, but it is a movie that I saw at Sundance. Uh, the, the lights came up. Mm-hmm. The credits were rolling. I leaned over to Esther, my seatmate, and said, like, that was incredible. Yeah. And I never do that at film festivals. Usually at film festivals, I'm kind of like, all right, let me think about that, right? You know, you don't want to just come out and be like, movie of the year. Well, because especially at film festivals. Yeah. Like, the thing could just, everyone else sees it and is like, whoa, trash, you know, and you're like, oh, oh sorry. Not only that, but it's such a specific environment where you're like, yeah, seeing so many movies a day that festival you theater, get distorted right. by certain things. Like, movies play better or worse depending on what movie was before or after them. And also, the thing that is 100% true and not a joke, which is, like, there's the Sundance high altitude thing. Yes, it is. That sometimes warps people's ba- brains and, like, good movies get slept on. 100%. And bad movies, they're like, a triumph! I uh, can't feel my hands! Uh, 100%, 100%. <laughs> Sundance yeah. is crazy. It's truly surreal. But I, like, leaned over to Esther and I was like, that was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And uh, we walk out and then, like. What did uh, Esther say? She agreed. Oh. She was like, piece oh. of shit! Yeah, no, no, She rolls. loved it. Uh, and, um,. She was like, what? And because the people were like, clapping. and I was like, that was really good. And yeah. she was like, yeah, no, you're right. Like, yeah. um, and then like a while later, I was like, just sitting. Mm-hmm. This never happens to me. Just sitting. And I thought about the ending of the farewell and I started crying. Yeah. That's crazy. I thought about the yeah. final shot of the farewell. Yeah. And then, and then the emotional hammer blow that she reveals in the post credits. And I oh, started yeah. to cry. Yeah. That's crazy. I want to say a thing, and I've been, I've been. Thinking, oh, here we go. I've been thinking this. He's getting ready to be canceled. No, I just think you're gonna think I'm a lunatic for saying this. Because I'm very aware this is a very weird thing to say, and I don't want to sound like I'm like. What are you gonna say? No, let him preamble. What's more. important is that. I have been having this thought many times this week. Okay. okay, it's been percolating, and I'm like, should I verbalize this? I feel a little bit weird about the fact that I've never seen you cry. Oh, really? That's yeah. an interesting thing to right? say. But I don't, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but, but because I feel like... Why would you have seen me cry, though? Well, this is why I've been thinking about it a lot. Because mm-hmm. you keep on talking about how much these movies Movies make me cry. Yeah, I don't yeah. cry at movies as much as you do. Yeah, I cry. I'm, I'm a pretty easy guy. Right. So like, I, fucking... The Family Stone made me cry, and I hate that movie. That's, that's the thing. So I very rarely cry at movies. Sure. Right. So I feel like most people have not seen me cry because it has to be like a very specific breaking point. Yeah, if I saw you cry, I think I'd be somewhat surprised. Be right. Like, hmm. Weird. Where, whereas I am surprised that I have not seen you cry Yeah, because we don't see every movie together, but we've seen enough movies together. I'm like, it's weird we have not experienced a film together. Yeah, but we don't see that many. I mean, we see a lot of movies together. We see a normal amount of movies together, right? Like we probably see like a movie a month or two, sure. right? You know, right. plus like the commentaries or whatever. Right, but I'm saying across right. but we four or off- five years. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess we're not often watching the movies that would like press my uh, no, buttons. No, but I'm just saying, I, but even like you cried at the trailer for Max. Well, fucking. I'm surprised dog, we, never, we never saw the Max trailer together. That dog, he doesn't like the fire. There's a hero. 
And I don't like fireworks either, so I also just identify with he, that he doesn't like fireworks. And we're too freaky peas to fire up pod. I always get that line wrong. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Even though it's like to you, like the transcendent emotional One truth in American okay. cinema. Two freaky peas in a far up pod. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I don't know. Watch the farewell of me because I fucking cry at that one. But I'm not like someone who loudly sobs usually. I'm more you said like spirited away. Made yes, you heave. that one? I sob at. Yeah, but I don't know if I would do that if I was with a lot of people. That's why though, because we'd record our spirit away. I probably be more of this sort of like, you know, the kind of like we record the spirit away episode like two days ago, yeah. and I've just been thinking about you talking about how hard you were full Ooh. body crying, and I'm just Ooh. like, it actually feels kind of like we have bad luck. If we have seen that many films together and nothing is made you cry. cry at everything. No, but but as you said, that it's not always connected to quality. Sometimes no, something no, it's usually just, hits just you. yeah, something's trying to make. So you I'm cry. like the number of films we've seen together. I'm surprised that not one of them has had a dog do something heroic. Oh, fucking Max, he's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, now I'm trying to think of other things that have made me cry though, because really, right now all we're talking about is like Miyazaki, mm. The Farewell. Yeah. Like the souvenir, a very Max powerful trailer, movie. But it doesn't make you cry, but, that but would, it doesn't. Right, that, you that's said not Shazam really. made you cry. Shazam makes me kind of like choke up. Right, yeah. I mean, it's not, I'm not okay. like you know, but like you know, it gets the gets the water running. Because I'll say that's like the furthest I usually get is choked up. Yeah, right. Big right, fish right. makes me cry every time. Big fish makes me cry every time too. Like nice, healthy crying. Toy Story three makes me cry every time. Mm. But even Toy Story four. <laughs> no, not that one. Even Toy Story. Toy 4, Story four, I got very well. See, up. here's the thing. I I prefer Toy Story four. But I only got choked up by the ending. Oh, you see, Toy Story 4, Griffin. What are you... What? You should have just turned around because Davey was crying. He was right behind you crying. I was I was trying to peek looks, but at that point I was also pretty engrossed. But I mean, what you do you think a, you makes me t- cry in, in Toy Story in 4? Because it's not Woody saying goodbye. Hmm. Did you see Toy Story 4, Ben? <laughs> no. These toys, Don't man. say it like that. Sorry. No, I didn't. <laughs> but but Good job. you haven't seen it because we'll do them as commentaries on the Patreon That's for right. 2020. Yeah. And you'll watch it and I'll watch you cry and you'll say, you guys were right. I love Forky. I've never seen oh, three. Either. You'll like Forky. I mean, yeah, Forky's a bad motherfucker. Forky's cool. Forky seems cool. Remember when I used to say shit about Forky? Not anymore. Yeah, now you're engaged to Forky. Right. Um, <laughs> Wait, I got to think through. Okay, so it's something that happens at the... It's the moment. It's a very tear-jerky moment. It's not like some weird moment. It's not like I cry when, like, fucking the dad gets arrested. But it's not Woody get, it's saying goodbye. It's the big emotional moment Is of the movie. Is it wasn't Woody hugging? No. I care about that. I mean... The dinosaur and the potato head? <laughs> Those two, man. <laughs> no, no. The big... Emo- but I feel like you said it's not Woody saying goodbye. No. Is it the moment of... Of what? Give me the answer. I, oh, okay. It's it's when it's the I really do think it is the sort of big sort of tearful moment. It's when the girl is lost and looking for her mom. The Gabby Gabby moment. And, I was gonna right. guess that, but then I thought that wouldn't be right. No, that and that's that's just the thing where it's like both it's appealing to a sort of primal memory that most yeah. people have, right? Yeah. That sort of like child traumatic thing of like yeah. being lost. Uh and also just that child traumatic thing of like toys bringing you comfort, like objects sure. bring you comfort. But also just like, it's just well done, you know. Do you know what's the closest I come to crying in that movie? I mean, I was fully like, I was like. <laughs> yeah. You know, doing that. See, that's why I wasn't looking. Right. Uh, the the moment that makes me come closest to crying in Toy Story 4 is the opening. What's the opening? Remind me. Just Bo remember. Peep going in the box underneath the car. And Woody 
considering getting in the box with her. Interesting. And there's something about them being under the car mm. which reinforces how small and yeah, powerless yeah, yeah. You they talked are about that on in right. the scary world. And and the rain really gets me. Well, I was more just impressed. I was like, ooh, it's rain. It looks unbelievable. It looks good. But I also was just like, this moment is so fully selling how terrifying and dangerous this world is for them. And here he's being given this, like, one moment to do something purely for his own enjoyment in life. Yeah. And he can't get out of his way enough to do it. I get you. That, like, broke me. Wow. So, Nausicaa. Nausicaa. Valley of the Wind. Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Two ofs. Yes. Two thes. True. Pretty baller. Um, as we talked about, debut, you know, he, he, uh, he worked. This is the movie that unites him with the Takahata, who's mm-hmm. the other great Ghibli director. Is this producer on this? Brought on as an executive producer. Yeah. Brought on kind of reluctantly being kind of, I mean, they had collaborated before, but like, mm-hmm. You know, brought on is like, uh, you know, you, you can help steer the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, they were seen as talents rather than, you know, blockbuster guys. You sure. know what I mean? It's sort of like, oh, they're talented. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe this is the first Joe Hisashi score. Mm-hmm. That's sort of, and it's much like his Castle in the Sky score. Mm-hmm. Castle in the Sky score. Yeah. It's very, it's more electronic. electronic. It's yeah. very cool. Yeah. Again, very fitting for like it's the more sort of, of a pulsating action yeah. score. Right. And, you know, one of the big guys from Neon, Jealous, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Right, uh, starts on this, right? Yeah, Hidaki yeah. Anno. Yeah. Uh, he did the, the the God's Warrior, like, waking up and all that. Is that the, the uh, mar- marinara sauce monster? Yes. 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 I like that guy. He's, like, dripping with red sauce. <laughs> <laughs> He's scary. He's, like, monster a la vodka. So how to describe David? This he's movie. like Monster Alavodka. I love it. He's Monster Alavodka. Then he's like Monster Alavodka. You know my favorite place, Griff. Thank my you. favorite sandwich place in the city, Anthony and Sons in Williamsburg. Uh huh. They'll do a, a sandwich called the FDNY, mm. which is basically like chicken parm, yeah, sandwich, right? Except yeah. vodka sauce instead of like marinara sauce. Wow. Same like you know, breaded chicken, mozzarella, vodka sauce. Wow. And the bread is garlic bread. Okay, that sounds good. Pretty good. Only problem, after you eat it, you do feel like you're dead. You know, you do have that sort of like, ugh. There is a place that uh, near my apartment where I had a sandwich a couple months ago. It's one of the best sandwiches I ever had. I don't remember the exact ingredient list, mm-hmm. but the thing that kind of blew my mind was it had uh, breaded chicken cutlet and prosciutto. Ah, love that. And I that. was like, people oh, that's great. don't put those two things together. Right. And then whatever the combination of like, you know, the the sauce, the cheese, the toasted bread, everything. I was like, this is one of the best things I've ever eaten. Right. And this place would close early. Like they would close at like 1.30. Mm-hmm. And I'm a late boy. Yeah. Like they're just lunch, right? Oh, and like sure. with a pretty hard cutoff. Wow. Uh, I'm a late boy. I stay up late. I sleep late. Mm-hmm. We usually record this podcast around that time. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to have a whole sandwich before the podcast. No. So I would like keep missing my chance. And the other day I was like, oh my God, I'm like up, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I like had an early audition. I'm running errands and I'm like, it's still, I can make the cutoff. I can go back to this place and finally for the second time have this sandwich and the place is shut down. Oh, what the fuck forever? Yeah. And I'm like, mm. I once had this perfect sandwich mm. that for me, I realized this is a sandwich I've been looking for my entire right, but life. It's just... And I can't find record it's, of it's it. The, we, as we talked about on Spirited Away, it's the sublime. You experienced it once I and you will always chase it. One time. 
<laughs> it was my own personal little Miyazaki right, movie. Right, right, You like you glimpsed, you know, something perfect. And it's like all I remember is just like these things are the boldness of the chicken and the prosciutto. But I can't remember Dude. what the other elements were. Oh, okay. Because I was gonna say you can get chicken and prosciutto. Like you know, you'll find places will give you that. Yeah, but look, I'm gonna fuck it up some way. Right. Yeah, exactly. It'll turn out like your sandwich maker is like a men's rights activist or whatever. <sighs> Also, this place was, like, family-run, and, like, sure. their, like, eight-year-old daughter was ringing me up. And I'm Ew. like, I like this entire vibe, and now they are I love gone? It. What Who the knows? fuck happened? Gotta find out. It's weird. It's almost like New York City is sort of um, wasteland everything pushing out those, kind of, pushing out those businesses. kinds of businesses and um, sort of Well, uh, go to fucking Anthony and Sons, because uh, it's not, it's, that's thriving. You know, and that's that kind of business, too. I, prom- I promise. It's great. You'll love it. I live by that place. It's on Graham Ave, right? Yeah, it's on Graham. Graham oh, yeah. Ave. I used to live right by that place. It fucking rules. It's the best. Yeah. And there are all these fancier, newer sandwich shops. No disrespect to them. You know, where they're like, we've done a thing. And it's like, those are great. We That's fine. We have vegan meats and cheeses. Sure. It's Anthony like, and Sons right. is more just like, hey, we'll make you sandwiches. We've Did, been doing these I, sandwiches for a long time. I think his name is Leo the Wolf. You ever meet that guy that hangs out there? DiCaprio? No, his name's Leo the Wolf of Wall Street. Call by his full name. He hangs out there all the time. He has a popular Instagram account, and he just basically talks trash, like with a real heavy Brooklyn accent. He's just like I know who you're talking. He's just like he's like I'm gonna go off on like, uh, and it'll be like you know some new movie, like or whatever, like. uh, So that was the thing. is Is he like the Bagel Boss guy? He just is a regular that hangs out there. It's just got a really strong opinion. You're the Bagel Boss. I I should be the big exactly. one. Um, I I've been like doing I've been doing that. I've been like going more out of my way to find good sandwiches. Hey man, which I know is welcome. You've to been my on life. that on right, that exactly. trip for a long welcome time. Welcome to David in his twenties. You know what I mean. Back before the internet, I had like a little notebook. Did you really? And I would like walk around the city and like write down any place I found. And you know, a lot of them are gone now. Some, but then there's always new things too. Like you know, it is. Dude, the best sandwiches ever for me as I worked at El Buco Alimentari y Vineria, which oh, is a I know um, that place. Rules. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it's got a marketplace, a restaurant, uh-huh. um, you know, a cafe yeah, area. Yeah, incredible place. Uh, and they do their own in-house uh, curing of salumi mm-hmm. and they bake their own bread in-house. Yeah. So I used to work in that section. I would oh, make my man. own sandwiches like cutting Dude, the meats and just like rules. building a great sloppy messy sand. Cutting the meats. Can I say something? Wow. Can I say something? We are so clearly, we're so wound up by like trying to be uh, impressive and smart for Lulu and now we're just like I love sandwiches. <laughs> like, well, I, this is connected to. Why haven't I seen you cry? <laughs> this is connected to that. Yeah, go ahead. I think this is our best episode ever. Yeah, this is the best. One. This is the number one. Yeah. I know usually I do the bit where I say this worst is the worst episode, episode ever. ever Cancel the show. I'm gonna do the opposite bit. I'm gonna be incredibly <laughs> confident. I think this is the best episode we have ever done or will ever do. Great. I think I think there's some there's a different vibe here. We're all talking about it. What look what do they have against us? For the first time we had like a big guest who had like a publicist with them. Mm. We knew we were under a time crunch. Usually and, if a big person has come in the past, like Chris White's or whatever, they're just like here and we're like, You should run this by someone. Right. <laughs> Why didn't you? Why did you come here? Right. You maniac. And like we're like, Alex Do you have a heart out? They're like, No, I'm on vacation. Take yeah, as much right. time. Yeah, like, whatever, man. Usually weirdly when these people come in, they're like, No, I cleared out the next eight hours. Right, right, right. Right. So this is the first time we've had that kind of thing. Mm. And then it turned out we had less time with her than we thought we did. Sure. And then we were like, so like, fuck it. We got Lulu here. Mm-hmm. We need to be like serious good boys. Serious good boys. This needs to be a very smart podcast. Yeah. And now I feel like 
is not even we're in that goofy mode that sometimes happens when we're wound up. Yeah, within, like, like an extremely goofy mode. Right, an extremely right. goofy mode. Right. Where we're we're kind of like punchy. Yeah. I feel like we're all in like a weird we're sort, sort of, of like, like feeling kind of like live wiry. You know what I mean? We kind of got some energy. But see, I feel weirdly balanced, right? Mm. At this okay, moment. Cool. Right. You're like chill. After like the hump of whatever stress well, of like, are we going to fuck this up? You know? There's that. There's that. Yeah. And also, we've been doing a lot of episodes. You guys saw King Kong. He Maybe so he brought Kong. you some serenity. God, we we did have a really good time watching that. It, that's, yeah. I'm glad you had a great... I literally saw Oklahoma the same night. We were both on Broadway, just different parts. I, of I, I cannot remember the last time I so thoroughly enjoyed watching something I did not like. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Right. And right. I wasn't right. getting perverse enjoyment out of it. It was just the puppet is so fucking strong mm-hmm. that I did not care that I did not care about the rest of it. Right. I sort of, I would say the only thing, my only thing about the movie, other than the music, or the, the, the musical, movie, yeah, the musical, yeah, the and the dancing, bad, like yeah. all that stuff, yeah, the script's bad, the songs I are bad, just sort, and like I, most I, performances I, are bad. Right. I the sort of cultural context of King Kong might be bad. I they try to, like, it's weird. Yeah, yeah, you're never gonna pull that out. Puppeteers, all, all yeah, these yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of wish it was just a big guy. <laughs> Like they get a guy who's like seven feet tall and then cast a bunch of no, guys who are like giant. five feet tall. Well, <laughs> they get the baby from Spirited Away. I want to see a big hand marionetting that shit. Wait a second, Ben. So you just are asking for, here's how this would work. It would yeah. be Ant-Man logic. Everyone who entered the theater <laughs> would be shrunk. The theater would be the size of like a no. matchbox. Uh-huh. And then you would, but then there would be someone who's not in the theater who's regular size yeah. so that he would appear as giant to us. David, what you're describing to me would be selling out. <laughs> I think it would have to be locating a 25 foot tall man. Yeah. Because what I like is when Ben said a big guy, I thought, okay, I'm big. You, thought, you thought like he was talking like seven feet Plus, right? I'm like, what the puppet? I guess the puppet's like twenty feet, five feet tall. I'd say maybe, right? Sure. That seems like the right math, yep, yep. right? Okay. And I imagine that Ben was like someone who is the same size as the puppet, right. or close to the size of the puppet, who's twenty sort of feet tall, standing behind it and operating it. But what Ben is saying is, this guy has to be so big that merely one <laughs> hand. <laughs> Fits into our view, and that hand is just casually working the entire puppet like a marionette. That this man is Galactus size. Yeah, that that his kneecaps would barely crest the top of Times Square's biggest and brightest skyscrapers. It's just, it's just some feedback. All right, guys. I agree with you, and I, I once again want to restate that this is the best episode we've ever done. That's great. I totally agree. Okay. Nausicaa Valley at the wind. Yeah, I mean, we've been all over the place, but I don't know. What do we want to talk about with Nausicaa right here? I think it's interesting to talk about the alternate version. The alternate version? Oh, the, you mean the Americanized like that. version? Uh, yes, one thing that's worth uh, it's We're called kind of context, yeah. Manson International, Charlie Manson's company. No, I don't know. I don't know who Manson International was, yeah. and Showman Inc. produced a ninety-five minute English language dubbed animation called Warriors of the Wind. Yeah, uh, it's so fucked up that there's not even a listed cast, so no one even knows. Look at this poster. It looks like a heavy metal like yeah 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 cover. No yeah. one even knows like who is in it, like who yeah. took part in this. It's, a, it's like a snuff film, you know, it's yes. like where it's like no one will actually admit to being involved, but it exists. The tagline is a band of young warriors on the wings of their greatest challenge. 
and Nausicaa is uh, like the smallest character on the poster. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. And the center yes. is, is the center is the marinara monster that uh, right that uh, is Literally. in the monster movie for like five minutes. Right. Right. But being rode by the prince holding up a machine gun over his head. Yes. Like in Luke Skywalker pose. Yeah. Oh, uh, sure. The film basically turns into an action adventure movie where like the environmentalist themes are kind of gone. The whole ohms, the ohms, the trilobite things are just enemies. Mm-hmm. There's no like. Mm. Uh, the characters' names are changed. Nausicaa is called Princess Zandra, mm-hmm. uh, which is hilarious. Um, and uh, this was so stupid mm-hmm. that uh, that's sort of, I think, the beginning of Miyazaki being like, I approve any uh, American version. You, you don't get to change movie. anything. And right. famously, when, when Harvey Weinstein wanna wanted to cut story. Mononoke, he was like, I'm going to make some cuts because it's like two hours and 17 I minutes. I called him Harvey like, Scissorhands. Uh, they sent, I don't think it was Miyazaki, it was his producer, right? Yes, it was. Uh, Toshio Suzuki mm-hmm. uh, sent a katana, a bullet, you know, a sword to Harvey Weinstein with just the message, no cuts. Now let's spend 15 minutes talking about this because I cannot get over this. To send someone. A katana is the sword that it's like, uh-huh, you know, traditionally Traditional samurai big sword. Big fucking samurai you know, sword. Here we go. He uh, mailed him a massive, incredibly sharp and dangerous samurai sword with a note that just said, no cuts. Now, removing the fact that, in hindsight, more people should have been sending Harvey Weinstein uh, death threats on a regular basis. Sure, right. We should have been sending. <laughs> they were ahead of the trend. We should right. have been sending him all sorts of dangerous things for decades. Uh-huh. Uh, anthrax, what have you? That also is just one of the most badass things I've ever heard. Pretty badass. Because Scorsese has that story about the night that he almost had a mental breakdown. When Columbia wanted to recut Taxi Driver and he was yes. going to go into their offices with a loaded gun and yes. hold them hostage because he was like, I'm willing to die for this movie. If this movie doesn't come out, I right. have no reason to live anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of crazy to just casually in the mail FedEx someone. <laughs> and Harvey's like, okay, cool. Uh, cool. Okay. No cuts. <laughs> um, so, but this happened many years ago. The, the, the crazy English language version. But I also uh, think this is, is the witch? one of his few movies that you could recut in that way. Sure. You know? You, you, you could bastardize it and turn it into just like a heroes versus com- villains. Right. right. And this is a movie, yes, where like... His other films, it's harder to strip yeah. the Miyazaki out of like it. Like Mononoke, also an action-adventure movie. Yeah. There's no real villain. The right. closest thing it has to a villain is presented so subtly that yeah. like it's just really hard to like... Caster is a villain. Yeah. The villain in this, who in the English dub I think is voiced by Uma Thurman, uh-huh. um, yeah. like the armored villain, yeah. is more straightforwardly bad. Right. She's been corrupted by the world she lives in. Yeah. Right. Like it's sort of like a dog eat dog world, bug yeah. eat bug. But like she, her Bugs goals life. are bad. Yeah. She wants to revive the world ending mm-hmm. like weapon. Right. You know, she's no good. But it, right. But and it, her, uh, her sidekick is, is like, Kind of a classic, like sniveling, weaselly kind of like that that guy, a yeah. Griffin Newman type. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, you know, the, the classic Miyazaki thing is that like everyone coming to realize that everyone, or at least the protagonist coming to realize that everyone is just trying to survive. Right. The basic curse of uh, existence sure. is that people do horrible things in an effort to try to stay alive. Sure. Because everyone's terrified of uh, their own death uh, and their own lack of power at all times. Um, but this movie, you can recut and redub it in a way where she then plays as a more classic, like the fucking ah, ha, 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 villain. Yes, um, you can remove that because it's less 
completely inextricably interwoven into every single moment. But I mean, like, have you ever read Dune, the book, Dune? I, I believe I tried reading the first one when I was uh, far too young because sure. my much it's, smarter it's nine-year-old one. friend was into Dune. And I was like, cool, I'm into reading a new thing. Oh, I'm nine. I cannot no, handle so, this. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think that book is a little too dense. Yeah, I read probably 100 pages of the first one when I was nine. Yeah. Um, this does have kind of Dune-y mm. overtake because it's sort of like Desert this like, bugs. yeah, this like blasted world with yeah. these creatures that they can't understand. And like Nausicaa is sort of like, the Fremen and, you know, like the Fremen and Dune who are sort of like, they can work the land. Mm. They figured out ways to sort of like coexist, right? Yeah. And then you got the more industrialized nations, the, yeah. the other tribes, right, that are kind of more like trying to run roughshod over everything. I was getting some NG Out of vibes. harmony. Huh? I was getting some NG vibes. Yeah. The Mad NG? Max thing. Mortal oh, Engines. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. NGs. Sorry. Right. I was, I was, I was rendering uh, that as NG. Whoa. If I can describe to the listener whoa. the double take that Ben just did. At David not recognizing Angie. You guys are the bigger Angie boys. I'm like a medium Angie boy. Yeah, well, right. you should fucking fix that. <laughs> you should come correct, David, okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, they should recast the leads of Mortal Engines. Oh, I said it! I think. They're not that good! I think yeah. she's really fucking yeah, good. Yeah, that's crazy. That's I think she's movie. really fucking good, and the movie has a, a BBP. Yeah, yeah. A boring yeah, boy problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that, but I, th- I think that's a very good performance from the actress whose name I don't remember. Great, great. Uh, I like but the also, uh, we stan a reanimated legend. Yeah, obviously, I love His Shrike. name is Shrike the Bionic yeah, if the Man. If it was called Shrike, it would have won Best Picture 10 years in a row from me. I would have just been like, that's it. Don't even compete. It's it's really actually fucked up that they didn't even give him Best Supporting Shrike. That is At crazy. the Oscars. It's, it's, I know it came out so late. Yeah, Meryl, you know, you, she, Meryl, she just swoops in she there. She got Best Supporting Shrike. She does it a lot. For Mary Poppins? Uh yeah, weird. Playing God, Topsy Wopsy. I forgot she was in there. Can I can I say like a, a one of my classic uh uh overly no, can you just say it? mean stupid things I shouldn't say because it will probably harm my career at some point. Man, Rob Marshall must be really pleasant to work with. I think he actually is. I've heard good because things. Because everyone him. fucking loves doing these yeah, movies yeah. with him multiple times. I think he's a nice guy. Times. I think he's really passionate and committed. And I I think he is a genuinely outstanding choreographer. And I don't understand how he, like, fucks his choreography up it, so much. He in his sabotages movies. his own work. It's so crazy to me watching Mary Poppins. He's his own worst like, collaborator. He's a great choreographer. He choreographed that great lamplighting dance number. Stop fucking cutting. And then cutting. he's just like, cut, 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 cut. Like, in, let's go inside. I'm like, can we go out? Can I yeah. see it? I want to see it. But I'm also like, why would you even get that piece of coverage? Why do you have this shot <laughs> to cut to? I don't know. I don't know. He must know. be a fucking mensch, I though. think he's really nice. I've, I really have heard nice. I've heard he's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just incredible that Meryl's like, yeah, literally anything you want to do, yeah, I'll gladly, drop with I'll bells on. I'll just drop all. Yeah. Right. yeah. <sighs> Wopsy, wopsy. Nausicaa. So, I, she's really cute. She's really winning. Okay, hey, hey, hey. What, Nausicaa? She's, I'm not allowed to say she's cute? I keep it in your pants. I'm just keeping it in my pants. She's You're an engaged real... man, though. It's a forky. Yeah. <laughs> forky. I'm saying the self-evident thing. She does all this cool stuff at the start of the movie. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, Lord Yupa comes back and uh-huh. gives her basically a Pokemon. You know, like a <laughs> yes. proto-Pokemon. Right. That thing rules. Right. Who comes back in Castle in the Sky, right? Aren't they in... Not this specific one. But like that that creature. That, yes. This creature is, yeah. right? Yes. And then um then they get attacked. First there's the crash and the princess mm-hmm. who dies, right? Yes. And then very swiftly, there's the Tomelkians 
who and the uh, crash the crash has the uh, the the husk of the the bug. Yeah, yeah. The, right, the, right. No, the bad boy, the marinara yeah. monster. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, and the Tamelkins come because they're trying to seize that thing, yeah. you know. And that was the and uh, they want that monster. Class. That whole sequence is kind of devastating. Like her dad just dies. Yeah. And it's kind of not even spoken, and she's so crushed. Mm-hmm. And Yupa has to like intervene and be like, "No fighting, mm-hmm. no fighting, Nausicaa, You're gonna have to deal with these people rather than like she, they killed your dad. You should just go hog wild. You yeah. know what I mean? It's kind of like she has to deal with these fucking armored grunt, you know, assholes. Is that is that when she retreats to her secret garden? Yeah, I like that she's got a little underground secret garden. And Yupa's like, "What is this? This is crazy." Well, because like, those plants should be toxic. Toxic right. spores! Right. Um, and yeah, you know, right. There's that. It's that, I mean, we talked about Fern. Which episode did we talk about Fern going on? Was it Spirited Away? Probably every yeah. episode. I mean, you know, like there's that. There's like, Mononoke. Mononoke, we right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas, Texas. Eco-adventure films. You know, but like, you know, those movies where it's like at the end, it's like, there is a way to grow plants. You right. know, like right. Wally fucking has that, yeah. right? You know? Yeah. The promise of like, uh, no, we can, uh, Dune right. has, Dune, that's that's yeah. central to Dune, that everyone's yeah. like, you can't grow anything on Dune, and these one people are like, yes, you can. And you this, know, we're, we're just not doing it right. Like, we gotta figure it this out. This ends right. with the very Wally image, which is like the last frame in the end credits is the- The non-toxic the one tree, right. Yeah, little yeah. sprout, the one yeah. little leaf. Little sprouty bout. Little sprouty, little sprouty bout. I don't bout. fucking know. And then, uh, I we don't know, we don't really have to go through the, the plot here, but like, Nausicaa goes on that insane journey. Uh-huh. Uh, with Edward James Olmos and the dub, I just really enjoyed his performance. He's got the it's greatest voice. Casting. Yeah. Um, I, there's so much of him because mm-hmm. he's kind of her constant companion. Yeah. Another bushy haired man. Right. He's got this sort of mustache. Yeah. Covering his mouth. The pilot guy. Yeah. Uh, should I read from my book? I, t- I found this interview okay. that he gave the day it came out. The so fog is in 1984. From a book. It's like it's dry ice, but David has taken out the leather bound volume yeah. with a metal clasp on it and a Growing seal that's you know, alive. holding a scepter. You know, but I've, since we're doing these out of order, I said, you know, we didn't do it for a couple of the later ones. But, you know, we've done, we'll, we we have consulted uh, this tone. Look, David, I don't like to hit a bit too hard. Okay, I let it rest for a while. Uh, so what are some, like, it, I'm reading, it's this crazy interview, because you, you're thinking about, like, this is a young man. Like, mm. I mean, youngish, right? Like, this is him yeah. in his first, and he's still talking so candidly. Uh-huh. They're like, how are you doing? Like, according to Toei, the distributor, yeah. this movie is really great like the satisfaction is and high. he said everything's terrible everyone's the worst no he's like i don't know how i feel about the last scene i feel like it's not over and he's like what do you mean and he's like she dies and then she's held up and she's bathed in the golden color by the morning light and it feels like a religious painting spoilers and i said <laughs> and me and the producer said to each other we've got a problem which is so crazy to me that he sees the film and he's just like this is too religious. This yeah. is too like she. I didn't. He says I didn't intend her to make her Joan of Arc, mm. and I want to get rid of any religious undertone. Uh, and then when we're producing it, I'm like, this is undeniably like we can't. Like it's just going to have that undertone no matter yeah. what we do. Um, I just didn't want her to be a religion. I you know I wanted her to be a strange girl who regards the lives of insects and humans in the same way, which to him is like that's weird. Yeah. You know, like, it's not that crazy that most of the people in this world are like, we're the humans. Right. We got to fucking nuke the insects. Yeah, They're problems. We don't have fucking bug faces. <laughs> right, exactly. They're, it's Starship Troopers, right? right? It's like, it's like they're different. And yeah. they, we can't communicate with them. Like, yeah. And that's sort of her power is that she can sort of, like, view these insects as, like, 
comparable creatures and it's like they we and it turns out you kind of need the insects can i talk about a thing that i forgot to mention and you're going to be angry that i'm bringing this up sure but it's a big <laughs> it's said this like four times i know it's a big thought i have people are gonna think i'm like it's rage monster david don't you let me speak go on go on i i was really upset that i had brought this up in the episode because i i've not seen anyone else comment on this okay in the lion king mm-hmm a thing I found very unnerving yeah. is that when Timon and Pumbaa eat the bugs, yeah. in this movie, it feels cruel right? because all the animals are so photorealistic Sure, that as opposed to a very stylized cartoonish thing where it's like, well, Timon and Pumbaa are like anthropomorphized and the bugs have no faces. Right. The bugs are just bugs. In this, the bugs behaviorally act like they're scared. And they don't seem like any less alive. I didn't dwell on it, but I know what you mean. It bummed me out. And like, other than the fact that they're not speaking, it feels like there is no distinction. And after they made this whole thing about like, you're here in like the plains with us now, you can't eat like antelopes. Right. Let's eat these bugs. And there's a moment where they animate the bugs like trying to run away from Timon and Pumbaa. Right. And I was like, this movie doesn't understand that this is fucked up now. Whereas Nausicaa is like the one person who's like, no, they're like alive. See how I transitioned right back into the thing that we're supposed to be talking about. Now, I'm going to read this other quote from the book. She values life. She recognizes life. Yes. I'm going to read this other quote from the book that is, has been passed around before, is somewhat notorious, Mm. and is a little insane, but I do feel like we cannot not acknowledge it. You probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Interviewer. Nausicaa is very attractive. Oh, boy. Miyazaki. Her breasts are rather large. Oh, come on. Interviewer. Yes. Miyazaki. That's not so she'll be able to breastfeed babies in the future or Ugh. make love to a man who will steal her heart away. No, it, it's not. It's it's weird. It's not like outrageously sexist. It's just odd. I know. I just I'm not liking this. Go on. I think her bosom needs to be large so that she can embrace all those old men and the women and who are in the castle when they're dying. Mm-hmm. They have to. She has to allow people to feel secure. She embraces them as they're dying. The interviewer is like, okay. He seems. Baffled by this. Yeah, he also is the one who fucking brought it up. <laughs> he did bring it up. Say, I want to jam your main character. No, he, no, he's like, she's really pretty. And Miyazaki's like, well, the interesting thing about her is that her boobs are drawn bigger because I want her to embrace people in a sort of comfortable way. The old men. Look, it's not creepy old in, men a, and women, in a way that I think is malicious, but it makes me uncomfortable. It's also, we're talking about a 35-year-old interview. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a I time. understand. But also, could you imagine if, like, while promoting, like, Frozen, they said to Jennifer <laughs> Lee, like, so, like, How about Elsa, these boobies? Yeah. Yeah, what, what, what are we thinking? Va, va, no, no, but even, like, saying, like... Oh, just, like, Elsa's hot. Right, they're like, so... I got a crush. Moana, she's pretty attractive, no? <laughs> Oof. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know? I do know. Like, think about, like, how fucking creepy everyone agreed it was when Anthony Lane wouldn't stop talking about his boners for Mrs. Incredible. Yeah. Elastigirl. I always get dragged for fucking saying that thing. It's a bit. I know. I know. I think it's funny to say that. And then people assume I'm stupid, which I am. But that's a separate independent truth from this conscious bit I'm doing. I'm saying everyone was creeped out by that, and rightfully so. Remember when Lulu Wong was on this episode? I know. That was wild. Wild shit. What if this episode is the thing that costs her the Academy Award? <laughs> that they present this it's as her, her Norbit? Norbit? <laughs> <laughs> we immediately like knew the same thing. The front runner for best screenplay. And then they're like, did you hear? She a blank check. Those two idiots were talking about freaking Frozen yeah. being hot. Yeah. They made her talk about Britney Spears. 
Oh, that was great. That was good. That and was that good. was really good. Yeah, that's when we won the Pulitzer. Then it gets right. taken away when they hear the rest of the episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're like, no, there's a reason this is on a ribbon. Yeah. <laughs> we can grab it. Right. Ah, uh, Nausicaa. The all right's going to claim that she was here in no, the studio the whole time. Oh, my God. You right, don't yeah, like just me silently. even saying that. Right. Um, she was condoning everything jerks. we were saying and giving thumbs up. So... I really like that moment when they crash in the jungle and there's an ohm mm-hmm. and she uses the bull roar thing. They're like, yeah, very cool. To like chill it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then she meets Asbel, who comes in late. He's late. Voiced by Shia in the dub. Kind of a cute performance by Shia. Good job, Shia. When he's in his, like, I'm like. We talked about this. But you know what this specific period is that I find interesting? What? It's the, um, like, I'm sort of uh, apprenticing major movie stars. Right, when he's in Constantine and I, Robot. Yeah. He, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, 100%. He's like, let me stand next to a guy who gets, like, $20 million a movie as top of the call. She right. is a guy to recognizing your saints where he's right. young Downey. Right, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so um, he's good, though, mm-hmm. in the dub. But the subs are, obviously, in my opinion, always going to be a little better. Yeah. Um, and that's when she realizes they crash into the non-toxic, like the 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 this below yes. level. You know, right. they're like, oh, like there's another way to do it. Like there are spore-free, yeah, uh, growths and jungles. Her, and, her yeah. garden was like, uh, yeah. I mean, her garden's underground as well. Right. Even with the spores, it's right. still you know more fertile down there. And then there's just this sort of bananas, like 35 minutes of action. Like it's like a huge chunk of the movie is this large extended, like first is they're in the plains and they're being attacked. And like, I checked the time code and I was like, this one must be almost over. Right. And then I was like, Oh no, he's going to do a 35 minute extended action. Then there's like the ohm stampede and that shot of the baby, you know, like uh, with all the like missiles wedged in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And then like, she rescues the baby, but the ohm stampede's continuing, and she's got to heal the baby and bring it to them. And like, yeah. it takes, and that, like, it's good, but it is a lot. Like, I don't know what a kid gets from this movie. I don't I think either. it's more of a movie for teens. Like, I think yes. teens are more yeah. ready to, like, take on this world. Yeah. Uh, I really do like it, though. It's, I was talking with Stefanski last night, Fast Future Guest, um, and she was like, it's my favorite. And I'm like, obviously, I mean, it's like her buggy. It's the buggiest right. Miyazaki. But she was talking about seeing it as a teenager, and I'm like, yeah, you know, like that's probably when you can like, yeah, wrangle a big sci-fi world like this. I do feel like I'll say uh, this is this is one of the last ones we're recording. Yeah, we only have two more. After I'm speaking this. Yeah. to you from a future in which I have now seen most of the Miyazaki mm-hmm, move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although narratively, at this point, I have not. Yes, right. And for most of this podcast, you will be discovering him film by film, and you'll hear those discoveries. And I'm at the, at the ghost of. Christmas future. But um, I keep thinking as I'm watching these, I can't wait to revisit these movies. Ah, hell yeah. You know, like, I'm like, I can't wait to every couple of years be like, I'm going to go through them all again. And you've got them. Yeah, like, I have it now, and then like, next time I'll just, like, I'll do, like, a run where I watch the dubs of all of them. Yeah. I mean, it's been a new thing for us to do. I mean, it's been it's unusual for us to do director where basically all the movies are regarded as good. Yeah. We've done it before, I guess, but, like, it's unusual. Yeah, it's just hard to have and that kind of run. <laughs> and then also, it's not a movie where there's like an obvious blank check. Right, the blank check is the sustained like strength of his career that he got Ghibli off the ground. I'd argue in He's any made incredibly ambitious movies, of course, but it's not like there's one insane no. reach. I would like, argue that in the case of his career, most filmmakers would like 
any one of the films they would Totoro kill for any Oil of those movies, right? Yeah, would be a blank check, and most people only do one thing that crazy their one, entire career. one or two, and he gets to do like seven, right? And it gets to is obviously, I mean, obviously, he's no doubt an incredibly committed and an almost insanely passionate yes. artist, right? Right, right. a monk like commitment, right. To, right? Right, a monastic, obsessive, yeah. <sighs> Deep yeah, it sign. is funny that this and this episode kind of has the energy of like us near the finish line because it is. And uh, for you, you lucky guys are going to get a started. pretty. I would say hey. a pretty good series. Hey, the JD uh, Totoro episode is uh, completely off the rails, chaos. fucking stupid, uh, absolute chaos. Yeah, so bad, just the worst episode we've ever done. That might be the worst episode. That might be the worst episode we've ever done. It was necessary. It came out okay. It came out great, but it was necessary as like also a follow up to his masterpiece, the um, Billy yeah. Lynn episode, to do like your kind of Oasis's be here now. You know where they're like, let's just throw everything in the cauldron. Let's see it. You know what I mean? And like also, the kind of why it's his blank check. Well, no, but I would argue it was him being like, I'm not ready to cash my check in. This, right, I'm right. going to do a jazz set. Oh yeah, maybe it's that right. This right, is like right. kind He's of doing the weird not movie. a throwaway project, but it's like I'm going to do an experimental thing. This doesn't really count. Right. I'm holding on to my check for a little longer. That's cool. Right. Because well, he's going to cash his check next year. Yeah. Get ready. And, and it, you know, potentially talking the walk 2020. That's true. That's true. We're still trying to figure out. Yeah. I heard a rumor that you're not going to like, but we'll, we'll talk about it. On oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's just like you'll be kind of like, oh, we'll see. I had a really exciting idea for talking the walk twenty twenty. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. do it. Look, we're gonna do we're something, gonna do something, and it's gonna be right a colossal seismic cultural event. Yeah, right, definitely. And I promise you, there'll be new shirts. We gotta make that promise. The only fucking box office I can is listed is this year's. Re-release of it, really? So it's literally like fucking May of. It's like two months ago. I know. I was supposed to go with our friend Ramona Head, and I had diarrhea. I'm sorry, retired bit. Uh, Ramona, I bought the tickets though. <laughs> so you're saying like, what could have been? My money's on that board. Yeah, you know? my money's up there. So After here we I go, throw buddy. It down on the saw barrel. It's May seventeenth, and you know what? We are going to talk about this because you have a hot take anyway. Okay. We should mention on the podcast. May 17th, 2019. What was the number one movie? It's a new movie. So uh, Avengers Endgame has been... It's number two. After four surplus. weeks, it has been uh, you know reduced to uh, number two. Is, is it Detective Pikachu? Is it Detective Pikachu? No, that's, that's number week? three. Oh, so it came out the week earlier, didn't hit number one. That's correct. That's well, look, correct. look how uh, vague my memory of the recent past already is. There you go. Is this the one I have the hot take about? Yes. I wouldn't say it's a scorching take. But it's a fairly hot take. It's not Aladdin. No. Is it John Wick 3 Parabellum? John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. Right. right. One of my favorite movies of the year. One of your favorite movies of the year. And you contend the best Wick. Yes. Now, I, I saw John Wick 3. Uh-huh. I had a great time. Yeah. I thought it was pretty terrific. Uh-huh. I can't wait for more. Yeah. I did have that feeling watching it where I had somehow gone in being like, well, this is probably it, right? Mm-hmm. And then I remember like 45 minutes in, I'm like, oh, this definitely is not going to be it. This feels yeah. like a transity movie, you know, like we're getting to another chapter. I will say that's the biggest complaint I've heard about the movie is people saying really it fails. To, but I have read this complaint, mm. not from critics as much as like people on Twitter and shit, especially after I said this thing about it being yeah. the best one. And then inexplicably, for no clear reason, Fandango retweeted it. Hey, sure. Because I guess they like tweeting things when people are like, I like this movie. People should see this movie. Right. And then I just had a thousand people being like, actually, you're wrong. 
Your Listen. opinion is wrong. Um, yeah, and I, you know, clearly this um, this wasn't this was an IMH. Well, that's kind of how I read most comments on um, the internet. Yeah. Um, but I, no, to me it was just like I had yeah. to adjust my expectations yeah. Yeah. sort of middleway midway through. The movie. I just saw that thing where they were like, "I don't like the movie because it fails to conclude the trilogy." And I would say in response to these people on Twitter, well, because it's not a trilogy. You know, never promised you a trilogy. And they right. would say, "Well, I felt like it should have been a trilogy." Well. I feel like I should have a million dollars. Now, here's my thing. Yeah. I feel like in a world in which this in one world. wasn't inexplicably, not inexplicably, justifiably one of the most successful films of the year. Yeah. But one of the only films to not underperform at the box office, mm-hmm. along with The Farewell. Sure. It's like the highest grossing non-Disney film of the year. Well, no, because of Spider-Man. But we're talking about- I know Spider-Man about, is squidgy. But, you know, Disney didn't release it. I'm aware. Right, and then John right. Wick is after that, right? I believe so. Uh, Disney's got five out of the top no, six. No, Us is after that. Oh, then okay. John Wick. Okay. Mm-hmm. John Wick might end up John passing Wick is us. Maybe. 169 versus 171? 75. For us? For us. I think yeah. I don't think it can make six. Another movie I love. Yeah. Um, here's my thing with John Wick, okay? Mm-hmm. I, because I saw the uh, third one, loved it. Then I rewatched one and two mm-hmm. and saw three a second time. Mm. So I revisited the whole yeah, trilogy. Yeah, yeah. You, this was not a fired off the hip. Yeah, yeah. And that's when I made my tweet. Um, I had always had this thing where I was like, why am I so okay with the gun violence in this movie? Mm. Yeah. You know, okay aside from just being like, Oh, it's cartoonish. It's like ridiculous. Yeah, it's like ballet. It's whatever. Yeah. I'd be like, I do have this thing with other movies. Like even when we talked about when we did our Thor commentary, when, like, Scourge at the end of that, like, has, has the, the two machine, machine guns. Gun. Some people will find that very uncomfortable. Gun fetishy stuff, I just get yeah. really uncomfortable, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, why does this not bug me at all? Uh-huh. And I saw the third one. And A, I think it's maybe the best work of Keanu's entire career. He is phenomenal. I, I think It is crazy how natural he is in it. Yes. I mean, I think he can be a very natural performer, but you're almost like, it's the most heightened, ridiculous movie, and he's right. so not heightened. And especially versus the other two, this is so much a survival movie yeah. where he just is in perpetual motion. Yeah, yeah And yeah. you're watching these scenes that are choreographed so well with minimal cuts. Did you see Wick 3? No. Okay. It's so, so good. Hey, look, it's another thing I want to do on the Patreon. Yeah. And that's a Fuck quick yeah. three to do. I'm so excited to not have to deal with a yeah. fucking 22-movie-long right. franchise. But uh, the, the thing, not to spoil it for people, but there's the scene in the movie— in which he has to explain why he wants to stay alive. And it's like the question you're starting to ask of this franchise. Why are you putting yourself through this? Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not just die? You know? This is so difficult for him to keep up. And it's never going to get easy for him as long as these movies do well. It's only going to get more difficult for him. And he makes this case in a scene that I think Keanu just kills that I think gets to the root of these movies, which is just like, Life is a fucking nightmare. I know. The this world is, is I love corrupt, this scene you're talking about. Right? Yes. And the thing that they get into as they build out this universe is just like everyone's fucking in on it. Sure. You go to a hot dog stand. You right. go to a library. You go to a cab. People barely turn their heads to look at the insane violence you're committing. Everyone can be bought with some marker or a ticket yes, or a yes, code. Yes. It's the price of, of commerce. It's the price of capitalism. It's the price of living in a human society where we all have to, like, turn blind eyes to things and make concessions in order to just try to survive. And he comes up with this explanation of why he wants to remain alive that just kind of devastated me. And part of it has to do with the state I'm in in my life. And seeing this movie and rewatching the three after the tick got canceled, I'm questioning fucking everything, right? About like Except what, for blank check. Except for blank check. Oh, but yeah. but my thing of like what what am I trying to do, right? 
Don't leave me hanging, Ben. Ben, David's holding up the hand for his high five. Yeah. Yes, go on. Sorry, I'm sorry. But that I feel like I got my dream job, and I'm frustrated with how it ended, and I don't know what I'm, like, aspiring to in my life anymore. Not to sound dire. You know what I'm saying. I'm I'm sorry. I only do that as a joke. I I know what you're talking about. I'm very happy we have this podcast. It's (laughs) It's a great podcast. Yeah, it's very satisfying. Let's talk about movies. uh, Thankfully, I now fucking, I'm not worried about running out of money because- Certainly, I have uh, no acting career uh, oh, yeah. to speak of at the moment. No. Uh, very nice that I have a monthly income for the first time in my life mm-hmm. that is stable. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it just hit me so hard where I was like, this is a movie about that like that kind of unsuppressible survival instinct in humanity mm-hmm. despite everything around you telling you to give up. How crushing life is and dealing with the misery of it and I think, and this is where it all crystallized for me, that, like, there's that Colbert interview that went really viral. The one where Colbert asks him the sort of, uh, what happens to us when we die, Keanu Reeves? And I think what Colbert thought he was doing is, oh, Keanu's become this, like, zen, Yeah, he'll say something, figure, like, you know, sort of, whoa, Quietly like profound. profound. And then he said something that was devastatingly profound. He said, Keanu, what happens to us when we die? And Keanu takes a second. Not long. And then he goes, I know that the ones who love us will miss us dearly. It's so fucking amazing. And you hear the audience gasp. Right, right, And right, Colbert right. is taken Colbert's aback. obviously like, oh, yeah, and that's a wonderful thing to say. He goes like, like <clears throat> uh, John Wick chapter three in theaters this week. <laughs> like, it's the end of the segment. Because you know that, and also anyone who knows Colbert knows that he's a pretty spiritual Very and kind spiritual of philosophical man. guy who thinks about these things in a non, uh, in, in a sincere way. Right. right. But he's trying, I think, set up a more like, you know, talk showy, jokey moment. But, but, and then Keanu hit him with the left. Well, and <laughs> like, not even in, like in a mean way. Here's but, my big thing, and I don't want to get too dark about it. Oh boy, here we go. But Keanu, at the peak, right, post-Matrix sequels, when he's made more money than any actor has ever made on a movie, this crazy deal, he's like brought himself back from irrever- irrelevance for the third time. Sure. His third of like four career comebacks, right? Yes, yes. Where he proved everyone wrong. He uh, uh, has his uh, fiance has a stillborn baby and dies in a car accident six months later. And he experiences this type of loss that none of us can fucking comprehend, right? This like horrible thing in this position in the world where he's like, you've made it. You're Keanu Reeves. You have a billion dollars. You're a massive movie star. And he just like, Seems to be a guy who has his priorities in check and is like, that doesn't really matter. I like my motorcycles, but I'm never going to fucking get over this. Right. It's not a thing he really talks about. And then shortly after that, his career bombs again. Sure. And he yeah, very he quickly goes back low, to being a right, joke. Right, right. And everyone had fucking written him so thoroughly off, right? And then you go like 47 Ronin, final nail in the coffin, like get the fuck out of here. And it feels like, okay, I guess he's going to like show up in the Neon Demon and like the Bad Batch and do like small roles in indie films and make an interesting character Yeah, and be this sort of like cult object. Which like he's doing great work in those movies. I was enjoying those performances. But then inexplicably, John Wick becomes this phenomenon that we don't have anymore, that we don't see anymore, where something is actually just sort of like, like completely brought into existence by fan demand. Right. And not by a preordained, like we are shoving this down your throat. Right. And the way in which the films have like multiplied and grown and like gained respect and all of that. Right. That they're about a man who has lost everything and has nothing left to prove anymore. Yeah. Like 
just, you know, so when you get to this point where like Keanu, like John Wick is like, I am this man who has been doing this for decades, has honed this to a craft and the best at knowing how to be me and do this weird thing I do. Mm-hmm. And I've lost everything and you can't fucking hurt me anymore. So all I want to do is just stay alive. And when he explains in this movie why he does it, I just broke and I was like, this is a fucking masterpiece. This franchise is the best. There you I go. love all of this. So that was just the best performance ever give. like connected moment. Yeah. And I think the action's great. I think Halle Berry's awesome in it. Yeah, I love good. the world building stuff. I think the mythology shit in two gets a little sloppier. And in three, I like what they do. I like all of it. I like all of it. It's a great franchise. I got to rewatch them all though. I would, you know, once Wick's uh, digitally available, which it may already be, I don't know. You know like, I got I, the I Steelbook pre-order. Okay, so that's number one at the box office. David anyway, so what's number two? Uh, number two is hanging. Number three is Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Number four is a movie about a dog going on a journey. Oh, um, let me guess. Uh, is it a dog's way home? It's a dog's journey. Yeah, I. We have that's the Quaid. That's the Quaid. Quaid. That's the one. That's the proper sequel to a dog's message or comfort or what was like the original loves a dog's, you know those were books? a dog's purpose right dog's purpose that's right there's a those dog were books dog's purpose was a book what and it's from the perspective of the dog what yeah. is it what is Who it like it's getting reincarnated as different dogs that's insane it's this what is the what is the like text like uh, uh garbage eat it yum 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 <laughs> well wait a second berry bone <laughs> well, you should write the, yeah, ben, don't write put this on the jeans. podcast <laughs> you could yeah. sell this that's copyrighted uh trademark ben Housley, 2019 yeah <laughs> Are you kidding? Dog's Purpose did so well that they made a direct sequel. Yeah, okay, okay. They adapted one of the author's other books, and there's that fucking Art of Racing right. in the Rain thing. Yeah. Any movie in which a dog dogs, has an dogs. interior monologue. Yeah, but, 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 but if Ben released a book called Dogs ben Ho- by Ben Hosley, yeah. and it was just like, eat garbage, <laughs> walk over there, lick, lick, lick. What's this? A bone. 100 million copies pre ordered? What do you think? Also, immediately pre publication, get the rights option by Disney Plus. Yeah, exactly. Disney Plus Plus. Yeah. They've been a new channel yeah. just for it. There's a Ben tier. <laughs> Number five is one of those movies that just like. Already doesn't exist. Exactly. Like didn't exist the second it was released. <laughs> like as people watched it, the minute before in the movie was already gone. I, don't, know, wa- just like, I don't want you to give me anything else because I think I might know what it is. Okay. The Hustle? The Hustle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do the Hustle. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't know. I didn't see it. America didn't do the hustle. No, it was one of those movies that was like shot, you know, during like the Carter administration, even though somehow Anne Hathaway's in it, right? Like, yeah. Yes. Uh, and it was like, it was one of those things where like, we've remade Dirty Rotten Scoundrels yeah. with women, but we're not really going to talk about that in their advertising. We'll yeah. just sort of hint at it. Right. And so no then one it's thought like, that it was a proper remake. It's like no. a full... Even though the tagline is they're giving, giving dirty rotten men a run for their money, but yeah. it's still like okay, and then it's like so what's the what's the premise? Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson they they hustle. They got to get over on all these guys. They got to get over. It's got to right. be the best we ever done. Right? Uh, do you know what? I mean, originally the film was going to be titled Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and then they were like, we're changing the name. Before they changed it to Hustle, they landed on what was the correct title, uh-huh. which I can't believe they moved past. Right, which was Lady Crimes. No, do you want to know what it was? What was it? Because it's actually a good title yeah, yeah, for yeah. this movie. Yes, ladies do crimes now. Nasty women. Oh, well, there you go. They, right. That's what they should have fucking called that movie. Okay, but that's almost a good title. Give it to a good movie. Yeah. I don't. I assume it's bad. I'm going to remake The Maybe Hustle. Maybe it's like The House and everyone will watch it and be like, yeah. masterpiece. I'm going to remake The Hustle and call it Nasty Women. Well, they're doing, is it, is it Hustlers? 
What's yes, the, that's another. That's a. That's another thing. That looks right fun. with J Lo. That that's going to really be in Toronto. Fun. Like that looks yeah. pretty fun. Yeah. Um, Lorene Scafari, the director of uh, Richard Lawson's number one film, the Meddler. Uh, the Meddler. Have you seen that movie, The Meddler? Yeah, yeah, The Meddler's Char- great. Char- the problem with The Meddler is that uh, it's like um, it's close to home for me, like genuine. Like, with it, your mom? Yeah, yeah. Like I watch it, like not, not exactly, but I was like, wow. Like really? this is kind of, like, and I was expecting something winsome, and I was like, "Hmm, this is kind of brutal." Oh yeah, like which is what is good about it, right? It's not a winsome movie. Yeah. Have you done the trolls experience yet? No, uh, I'm waiting for Richard to get me VIP passes. It's pretty good. I don't know if you guys know this, but I uh, know the creator of trolls. He's <laughs> <laughs> been a guest on my podcast a couple oh, times. Boy, who owns trolls? Like what toy company? Uh, fuck. I mean, well. Hasbro does all the stuff for the DreamWorks movie. All right, so Hasbro's going to sue us. That was just a joke. Okay. I just okay. wanted to make that joke. But now I'm wondering if Hasbro also has the rights to the original Troll line or if they just have... Do you know what I'm saying? If I they do. produce... Because I want to say it wasn't Gunned. I think this is the... Ben's just looking at Gunned the might have. Covers. Maybe it was um, Gunned. I think this is the best... This is the time to end the our... Company, uh, one of our best episodes ever. Might have been the one. I'm going to look up Troll Dolls. Uh, maybe Gunned. Um, go see The Farewell. It's in theaters now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been expanding over the last month and uh, should be pretty wide at this point. I think it's going to about 400 theaters this week and this episode's going to come out a couple weeks later. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is a tremendous movie. Lulu's the best. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else to say. I agree. I was very Get wrong. ready for um, uh, Castle in the Sky next week with Emily Yoshida, Mother of Blankies. Mother of Blankies, who we have to say is going Hollywood. Yeah, I know. She's going Hollywood. She's literally going Hollywood. So, I mean, we didn't know it at the time. But that's, it's I mean, kind she'll of be a, back. She will be back. Right. But it used to be so easy. I know. And she's one of my great friends. And it's it's sad to to have her move. It's it's a, no, no joke there. Just that. But, yeah, you know, it's very exciting for her. Like, she's got all this exciting stuff coming. And uh, she's doing great. We have our LA friends on the show. But it's a different thing. You know, when yeah, you're trying to. Yeah, no, you have to like, oh, they're coming. Okay, let's, uh, you know. Find time. We used right? to be able to just decide to add Yo, Emily! In a Verhoeven bonus, yeah. slip it over to EO, record it the next day, you know? Yeah. I mean, anyway. So, yeah. You know, melancholy. Melancholia. Like the farewell. Melancholia. Uh, mm. Thank you all for listening. Yeah. Please go see the farewell. Yeah, no, I just said that. But I like, I want to restate it. Yeah, seriously. And purely from really a level good. of, it's a really fucking great movie and I can't <laughs> believe she did her podcast. Exactly. We are not friends with her. No, I mean, we follow each other on Twitter. That's the only connection right. we had. And you were yeah. like, wait, maybe we can book people on our show. I was like, I don't know. I'll who ask. are doing promo right. things. She wants to promote her film. You're like, she's going on things. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's crazy. It's I agree. crazy she was on the show. I agree. Um, uh, so next week, uh, of course, uh, Emily Yoshida, Mother Blankies, uh, Castle in the Sky. I'm repeating myself. Thanks, you. Lulu, not into my, my pitches so much. Yeah, that's the other reason we were uh, short on time is that Ben spent an hour You're throwing eggs at her. He was. <laughs> I said, "Picture this in the dark." <laughs> He's turning the lights on and off. He had a PowerPoint he made her watch. That was his slate. He announced phase one. <laughs> oh boy! Thank you all for listening. Yes. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Thanks to Andrew Goodo for our social media. Lame on covering for our theme song. Pat Rounds and Joe Bone for artwork. Go to blankies.reddit.com for some real nerdy shit and T Public for some real nerdy shirts. Well, I was trying something new. I knew what I was doing. I was in control. I liked it. I was in control, Dave.
And as always. Hey, does he out of control? And as always. <sighs> it's a great line. Drop of a hacker from doing a rock and roll. <laughs> and as always, Trolls was created and owned by the damn company, which then the full license was bought outright by DreamWorks, who now license it to Hasbro from Richard Lawson. So they were called Damn Dolls? They were called Damn Dolls. Like, damn, dolls! (laughs) 